0: episode of Fluffling Dicks Alliance, and now, your hosts, Dan and Christopher. God, that was the worst one I've had so far. That was that was definitely, that was bad. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry, Macho. Oh, dude, yeah. God damn it. I fucked little,
1: that, was, that was a little rough. Were you hanging out with a Beer City uh, Cruiser beforehand?
0: Yeah, I got a little bit a uh, little bit shit tanks with the Beer City Bruiser, and all things went to hell. I don't know. I'm, I guess I need to start doing other voices besides Howard Fink. Like, I like doing the overtop thing, but I kind of lost it, and I kept on going instead of stopping and reflecting. And, you know, shit happens. But um, anyways, how's it going out there, everyone? We got another episode of Us and Geeks Alliance. Uh Hope you guys are having a great week. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about wrestling. Me, and as uh, I, I mean, Howard Fink, whatever the fuck you want to think, uh, said, my co-host, Mr. Christopher, brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir?
1: Man, I'm doing wonderful. It's actually been a a pretty good good week. God, I can't talk. Outside of that, uh, I've been doing good, man. How about you? Good, man. It's
0: been slow at my job, which means that, you know, technically more downtime, so... I've been enjoying that. Um, that made me sound really lazy, but also lots of wrestling and, and of course, complex stuff to keep me, uh, you know, sane. I guess you could say. But yeah, I just want to let you guys all know uh, out there. Uh, not only can you find us on Blog Talk Radio uh, for our wonderful podcast, all the ones for Geek Guys Nation. You can also find us on iTunes under Geek Guys Nation. And now on our YouTube page, Geek Vibes Nation. So definitely check that out. It's for a different format. How to be to be on YouTube. It'll be just an audio track. You're not going to be able to see our beautiful faces yet. Um, But, you know, for however you do YouTube. uh, I do the whole YouTube red thing. Close it, put it in my pocket, listen to podcasts. So that's your thing. Great. Add us to your playlist. Like. Subscribe to Geek Vibes Nation. Appreciate it, guys. All of our shows will be on there. And, uh, yeah, just wanted to mention that because uh, we're expanding. We also are going to be interviewing some people soon. Um, actually, real soon. Uh, I get to interview Jeff Jarrett. Uh, we announced that today on the page on Facebook. Uh, on Friday, um, I got a little window of like 15 minutes uh, that he's kindly making for us. Uh, so he's going to come on real quick. I'm going to ask him a couple questions, get straight to the point. And, uh, do a little bit. It'll be the first time, Chris, but I got to Skype someone. So I'm terrified, honestly, especially since I'm going to be talking to Jeff Jarrett. Very strange concept. But, uh, either way, I'm much looking forward to it. And then next Wednesday, uh, we're going to be an hour earlier and six, we'll start an interview with, uh, Christopher Daniels, uh, who is going to be an awesome guest once again. Uh, I'm just really, really excited. Uh, Chris, um, are you excited about the guests that we're getting, man? It's, it's getting crazy.
1: I am uh, absolutely stoked. Uh, I'm really excited for you to get to talk to uh, Jeff Jarrett. And as much as I love Double J, I'm triple excited to talk to Christopher Daniels personally. Um, just being a huge Christopher Daniels fan for so long, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, I'm looking forward to hear what you, what, uh, what you get out of Jeff Jarrett. Hopefully he calls you slap nuts as soon as the Skype call starts. <laughs> uh, I hope I hope he
0: does call me Slapnuts as soon as it starts. That would be amazing. Hey Slapnuts, I'll be just like, ah, oh, double J. Uh anyways. But I have a couple questions to ask him for sure. Um one of them will be uh, you know, you and Elias in a guitar and the pole match, who wins? And I wonder what he's gonna say. Anyways, guys, just really excited about stuff to come. We're progressing, getting larger as always, so Appreciate everyone out in Geek Vibes Nation, and keep on listening to us. Now that i plugged everything, we got some news. Uh, we got the summer news uh, for this week. Just a couple of items, um, Kind of fun ones, if you will, Chris. Uh, first up, John Cena is confirmed to be playing Duke Nukem in the live-action Duke Nukem movie. Now, even though I don't think it's going to do very well at the box office... I know that uh, Tomb Raider was actually decently well-received, uh, critically. Um, and I actually heard it was pretty good from people, uh, but that's not good that that's the first pretty much video game movie that's done this. We've got Rampage coming out, so that's another one. But for some reason, when it comes to video game-based movies, they just don't do well at the box office. Um, and trust me, I'm a 90s kid. I forced myself to like Super Mario Brothers. And I still pretend that Mortal Kombat is an epic film of amazingness. Um, And it wasn't, I'm sorry, everyone out there. Um, But, you know, the reason why I'm saying this is because Duke Nukem is a franchise that hasn't been around for a long time and it's a video game. So it's kind of plaguing itself. You throw in John Cena as Duke Nukem. And for some reason I'm like, hell yeah. Like, you know, I think I would be down with that. Now it might be pure crap, but if they got a good rated R movie going on, they got a fun director, probably someone comedy driven. I would assume. Um, I think this actually could be a good fit. I think that it could be something that would be fun, uh, kind of kind of uh, Deadpoolish. I, I'm sure that's what they're kind of going for. Doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, I would love to see Chris a. Um, a, uh, some type of thing where they have uh, Bruce Campbell play a character. He's not going to play Ash, but a lot of people don't know that nu- Duke Nukem basically ripped off all of Ash's lines from the uh, Evil Dead movies in Army of Darkness. So this is a random topic, but it is John Cena, Chris. Um, are you looking forward to seeing a John Cena, Duke Nukem movie, or could you care less about this?
1: I'm curious. Man, see, you know, the crazy thing about Duke Nukem is as much as I like that original game, the first time I played it, I was like 10 or 11. So kind of hearing some of those quotes and knowing that some of them are going to be dated and then hearing them in John Cena's voice has really got me intrigued. I don't know that I'm going to, like, say it's going to be amazing, but I definitely want to see it just to hear, like, you know, the possibility of John Cena at a strip club going like, shake it, baby, or like, <laughs> uh, damn, you're ugly, you know, in reference to the Predator. Like, that, the game itself has, like, a bunch of, like, really weird quotes from different movies. Um, so it'll be cool to see how they kind of swatch that in with John Cena. Um, the one thing I don't want to see is if they go, like, the Hardcore Henry route and try to do, like, a lot of third-person or what they did with, you know, like, Doom. Um, Kind of interested to see how that thing turns out in general. But uh, Duke Nukem, the last couple of games didn't do very well. So I don't know that there's much fanfare for Duke Nukem. It's kind of one of those things that, like, to me, hasn't really aged well over time. Um, And being that the game's mostly first-person shooter, my worry is they're going to, like bird John Cena in it for some scenes and then switch out to, you know, person shooter and then go back and show John Cena and then hopefully not like voice line over uh, the quotes or something weird. I I don't know what they're going to do with that, but it it could be interesting, I guess.
0: Well, you know, before, before something like Rampage came out, um, and when I heard about Rampage, I thought it was just the drizzling shits. Uh, just for the, the sound of it. I was like, I love that video game, but how the hell are they going to adapt that? Then the rocks attached to it, and then the way they present it, it's like, okay. It's kind of like the same thing with John Cena, or with uh, this whole movie. We both realize that the name, um, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, Duke Nukem Duke. is Duke. not selling, yeah, for some reason I lost that. Duke yeah. Nukem is not selling the product right here. It's John Cena. So, But the thing is, he's kind of hard. Man, I know that he butt chugs in that new comedy everyone's raving about that apparently he's really good in. But I mean one of the you, you said that uh the game had a lot of cool things, um, and it did. But one of the things that had strippers for Christ's sakes. So I remember me and my friends would like gather on the computer and giggle when you could like go find like the secret strip club and like give the girls money to show their, their horrible pixelated boobies. So I mean I'm just saying, like It's got to be pretty over the top, and John Cena's not really that type of dude, so they kind of water it down. It's stupid, but I don't think that Duke Nukem, like, the concept is going to matter either way. It's like the Rampage. No one kind of, I think, associates that with so much of the video games. Maybe a little bit. Maybe that's a smart thing to do with these video game movies, try to, like, take the thing and do do your thing. But The Rock is selling that movie is what I'm trying to say, so... I think the same thing would, would be said for john cena with this but hey i'll see it uh probably not in theaters unless it's like dude you got to see this movie Then i'll probably see it the next week yes i am that person because i don't have a million dollars and uh i love seeing movies in theater but it's usually got to be a pretty decent one for me to go see which i will be going to see avengers Infinity war at the end of uh, april that huh, probably see it four times that weekend but anyways uh chris do you have any last comments about doing
1: No, I mean, I think we pretty much hit it all. The main thing is, uh, like, John Cena's voice, like, he's got to do some kind of voice for me. He can't just do John Cena's voice um, because Duke Nukem's voice is very much based 80s action. Like, think, like, you know, Bruce Willis Die Hard or Ash and the Evil Dead. Like, I hope that he does some character work with the voice at least, especially if he's going to be the one talking and not just, like, hey, he's Duke Nukem, but he doesn't say anything, and this is, like, a hardcore Henry thing which I think people will also hate, but uh, I, I think he has a look for it. I don't necessarily think that he has like the, the specific voice for what I would look for from a Duke Nukem, even though I don't really think I would be looking for much out of a Duke Nukem. Like I wouldn't play a Duke Nukem game. So um, it's going to be weird. The the thing, I think definitely the selling point, like you said, is John Cena. Like the fact that John Cena is doing a Duke Nukem movie, which will clearly be rated R and that's such a weird thing because the last two games didn't sell that well. Uh, Is interesting, and that kind of makes me want to see it. Because, I mean, even if it's a train wreck, if it's a train wreck that's really hilarious, um, I'd probably like it, I guess, you know?
0: It might be a beautiful train wreck. And if, if that happens, then I'll enjoy it and watch it back-to-back marathon style with the Mario Brothers. God, that was a horrible movie. <laughs> Anyways, what the hell happened there? Ah, All right, so our next item of news. So something that I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm pretty sure everything's clear through WWE, but very cool, uh, keeping kayfabe, if you will, has happened. Uh, Right after Daniel Bryan fired uh, both Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, uh, they both were taken off of WWE's website as active members, and then both of their old Twitter accounts for their actual names, one being El Generico, actually, um, which is Sammy Zames, I mean, it's not him. I mean, it is him. I mean, don't worry about it. Um, they both opened up, and they started, you know, messaging on there. And uh, El Generico actually was selling some friggin' merch uh, on um, Cross and Tees, I believe, his whole his, his section came on, which I find funny that they're kind of like, you know, I guess trying to make it a little bit more realistic. I wish, Chris, this might sound crazy, the WWE would be screw it, since they always have William Regal go and scout at, like, Evolve and PWG, like, why not have them show up at a show, just be there, so people, like, start, oh, my God, Kevin Owens, blah, 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 over here. They're calling themselves Kevin Steen. I mean, they only have, like, a week and three days to do it, but they could probably make some action this weekend, cause a little bit of craziness, and then show up and beat the crap out of whatever the heck they do uh, on SmackDown. Uh, But how do you like the methods that they're going for, and have you purchased any of the merch for El Generico while well, it out?
1: I actually own a couple El Generico shirts already, so I didn't uh, go out of my way Mark. to get anything new. But uh, <laughs> it's pretty uh, – It's I thought it was really cool. I thought it was very interesting to see them open up uh, the Twitter accounts kind of play into the, uh, the gimmick of them being fired a little bit. It would also be really cool to sometime in the f- future uh, see the man they call El Generico uh, after he comes back from helping orphans in Honduras, he can return to the pro wrestling landscape and maybe uh, have like a top face run at, on SmackDown or, or Raw or something really weird. I think that could be a lot of fun. Really? Even if it not up with first. pull personally. that off, Chris? Do you think that I, there's I think a portion of time
0: where he could do both shows and be a heel on like SmackDown like he is normally and just show up on Raw for a match and then kind of like play with that every so often? That'd be awesome.
1: I think you could totally do that. I think you could even do it if you didn't want to do it all the time. You could even do it as, like, a TV taping thing on NXT or something. Um if you wanted to do something like that to build it up, I think there's a lot of stuff you could do with the El Generico character, and I think a lot of people would get super into it. Um, just because it's such a weird character in general. Um, and it's so goofy, but people people are still behind the ole 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 chant, and he's a heel. And I think if you give him like you know the El El Generico mask, and he's hitting more of the lucha moves they used to hit in Ring of Honor, I think he could have something pretty fun to work with. Especially, you could have him feud with uh, Kevin Owens again, and Kevin Owens is like you know going off about him not actually being El Generico, and then. You could do some, like, blue screen-type weird WWE stuff. There's a lot of real fun things you could do with that. So, hopefully, they don't just shell the idea. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think there's some cool stuff you could do with it that they've done, you know, with the – like you said, with Mick Foley. Like, Mick Foley wrestled in the Royal Rumble three times in one night. Like, that'd be really cool to see, like, Sami Zayn get tossed and then, like, El Generico come out or something. Like, um, there's lots of fun stuff you could do with that. I don't – I – I think a lot of people would like that character. I think it's uh, when they did Old Bagabondo, which was you know the drifter after he got fired, with the mask um, in NXT. A lot of people really liked that. Like I thought a lot of people got really got behind him and started cheering him. And then that was kind of like right before he got pushed to the main roster. And I was like, I wish he could do that. I wish he could do that again one time, like the same thing, like Royal Rumble, he gets thrown out and comes back in as the El Vagabondo, which would be great. Like there's so many cool things that you can do with especially with just putting a mask on people, um after they get fired. I mean, they used to do it all the time if you go back to uh, you know, seventies and eighties. Like even hell, even Dusty Rhodes had like a loser leaves town match where he got screwed and, and came back with a mask on. <laughs> you know, like uh, there's no reason why it doesn't still work. You just have to have the right people do it. and As long as they can have good matches and you can build a story out of it, it could be it be a hell of a lot of fun. So hopefully they, this isn't just the Twitter. I mean, it could just be them selling the storyline, which I also appreciate. Um, but it would also be great just to see El Generico like one time at a WWE ring.
0: And then they have a three-way dance between El Generico, El Bagabundo, and also the American Dragon. And no one knows who those guys are, in real life. They're all just mass figures. Uh, uh, anyways, but no, I love that idea. I really think that would be cool if they could play it. Because that's fun for Sami Zayn, because I'm sure that part of him liked being a babyface when he was over his shit. So I think the audience would actually have fun with that, because he could be that, that swarmy dickhead heel that he's really good at, and also, you know, play El Generico. Not that he's El Generico, though. God, we have to, like, make sure that we, like, keep that under wraps. Yeah. I
1: hey, uh, one, one thing before we move on, I think something really cool they could do that they won't do if they had a better working relationship with say ring of honor, for instance, they could actually just have them work a match under Kevin Steen, El Generico at ring of honor and play up the fact that they're like signed and then have them show up in W.O. style at WrestleMania to like invade WrestleMania. Um, especially because they don't know what's going on with, uh, you know, Shane McMahon's dieticulitis or or whatever. So maybe it's just, like, they're just fired, whatever, and then they blow off that match like it's not going to happen, and everyone's disappointed because of the Daniel Bryan thing. You put it all over your Twitter feed and all over the WWE website, and people are like, holy fuck, I don't want to watch that. And then, like, right after you post the video of, like, Kevin Owens' Ring of Honor, and then you start throwing up tweets where they're saying they're invading WrestleMania – I think that would be a cool way to build that match because I don't think that match has a ton of steam just because they had to build it so fast. But uh, if you were trying to build something through the internet, that would be a a really cool thing. I don't think they're going to do that. I'm just saying it would be pretty cool.
0: So instead of head of steam, get ahead of steam.
1: See what you're doing there, man.
0: (laughs) No, I actually do like that idea. That's not weird for WWE either. I mean, if if you go in the mid-90s with the partnership with Paul Heyman and bringing ECW and having a couple guys come out, um, I don't think – See that's the thing. It's like like maybe maybe Ring of Honor might be a little bit too hard compared to Evolve and uh, PWG because they're smaller promotions, but they have no problem. I guess because of the talent, obviously, allowing William Regal to come there and stuff like that and check out different wrestlers while he's there, making a big deal of it and letting everyone know that he's going to be there specifically for that. So there has to be some type of like talking. So yeah, if they could stage that. Go for it. That'd be awesome. And, uh, you know, kind of build towards it, put a little more social media. Like you're saying, take advantage of that. I would love that. Um, Like you said, though, I just don't think they're going to do that. Uh, For some reason, last year, they went, hey, let's have a bunch of great feuds. Some of them have gone on for like six months, like Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, and um, accumulate to a crappy card at WrestleMania. And this year, they're like, well, we have a bunch of amazing matches and everything's awesome. Let's just like have it fucking flat as shit the weeks leading up to Mania with some of them like drizzling uh, with emotional issues with AJ Styles, but we'll get to that. Um, I just, it's kind of aggravating. I I still think Mania is going to be fine, but if they did stuff like that, they still have enough time to somewhat make somewhat of an impact to add to the storyline. Because right now, if Daniel Bryan wasn't back, I could care less about that whole entire match. And that sucks because Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are awesome. But if it was the three-way like it was supposed to be beforehand, no, I don't give a shit. I mean, I'm just being honest. Um, and a lot of these matches are like that, but we'll go when we go through Raw and, and SmackDown. We'll talk more about that. But it, it, you brought up something, and I wanted to you know talk about a little bit. Shane McMahon um, had a uh, episode basically with diverticulitis. Um, they caught it very early, uh, so it wasn't able to get have an infection where they had to go and do surgery. If you guys are wondering what diverticulitis is, um, basically. I know a lot about this because my best friend suffered from it. Uh, there's two different versions. The second version is very, very lethal. He had the, the, the better version. My dad actually almost died because of this a couple of years back. So I know, like I said, uh, it's basically your intestinal lining, um, maybe due to hereditary reasons or your, you know, what you eat, the lining on your intestines becomes very thin. And something as small as a popcorn, a popcorn kernel or like a poppy seed can like rupture it. And if you ruptures it, if it starts leaking out into your system, uh, you know, the stuff that's inside of your, your intestines, uh, it starts poisoning your system. It's really bad when it gets to the point where, uh, it starts corroding inside of your intestines and poisoning your actual intestines. That's where they have to remove part of it. And it, it can get pretty deadly. So, uh, this happened to Brock Lesnar not too long ago, uh, took him out. Uh, he had to go and get surgery, I believe. Uh, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a scary thing. Um, Luckily, anyone that, that, that's concerned that it, was, it had anything to do with what happened with Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, it didn't. Um, there's no way, like, the, the, the trauma that you saw would have been the worst thing was his throat. That had nothing to do with it. There was no rupturing that caused it. You know, it's something that's, like, very, very small that just floats in your intestines It kind of catches the lining and opens up a little hole. And over time, you know, it makes you feel kind of like you're constipated, I would assume. Um, but you know, that's actually the warning signs. Then you have to go to the hospital once you feel a lot of pain. And I'm sure that, you know, Shane being intelligent, he went immediately when he realized that it wasn't something normal. So they're able to get it. I still don't know though, Chris, knowing that, you know, my roommate, my, one of my good friends Hoyt who's had it when he was living with me, uh, he had to be, you know, he, I'm, I'm sure that Shane's very much in shape. He's taking care of himself. But to say that he's definitely going to be Daniel Bryan's partner, um, I actually don't know if that's the smartest thing for them to claim. You know, he looked great in that picture of him standing up, but, I mean, that's him standing up after, you know, being in the hospital for so long. So, uh, obviously, he didn't have to go through surgery, get part of his intestine. If that happened, he would be out for a while. Uh, But I still feel like it's not 100% that it's going to be Daniel and Shane versus the two of them and they're making it sound much like it's going to be a tag match between Sammy or Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So we still might not know technically who uh, Daniel Bryan's tag partner is. Uh, glad that Shane's okay. Uh, when you, how did you feel when you found out about this information?
1: Well, one, uh, immediately I just hope that, you know, Daniel Bryan gets – or not Daniel Bryan, but uh, Shane McMahon gets better. The other, of course, was, well, what are they going to do with this tag match? And my first thought was you just shell it. Um, You do an injury angle or something. Have them beat up Shane McMahon at the hospital outside of WWE. They're fired. Have them jump them. And then you just have either, you know – Daniel Bryan get a new partner or you split Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for one reason or the other, uh, which would have had to have happened either last night or, you know, next week for that to work. So all, all roads do seem to point towards a tag match of sorts. My big thing is I don't know who you're going to put with Daniel Bryan at this point um, because Dolph Ziggler just announced that he was going to be in the, the battle Royal. So to me, it's, it's like a good time to maybe pull someone up from NXT. Um, I don't really know who else on the SmackDown roster can, can fill that spot. Unless you just want to throw, I I guess Rusev also said he was going to be, I don't know if he confirmed or not, or he said he was going to be in a four way match for the U S title. I'm just trying to think of names that are, that are actually available on the SmackDown roster, and really there aren't any, because there. I mean, I, I still believe they're going to do, I mean, like, obviously you could throw Cena in there and just shell the entire Undertaker thing, but that, like, I think the, that payoff would be absolutely terrible. So all roads kind of point towards doing something weird, um, either bringing someone in that we wouldn't expect, or uh, doing... Doing someone from NXT if they have to go that route. I mean, because honestly, they're saying Shane's probably going to be fine and he's going to wrestle, but I I don't know that it's necessarily the best idea. The main thing I hope is that he's, if he does do it, that he's you know 100% ready and ready to go. And otherwise, I hope they don't let him you know put his body on the line, which he will do. You know, if he thinks he if he yeah. feels like going, it probably will go. But hopefully, you know, they shut that down. I, I think that there's. You can have a better match by putting anyone as Daniel Bryan's partner, like any, like Johnny Gargano, for instance, would be very interesting. I think there's other names you could throw out there that'd be really fun. Um, and you could even go the route of having them eat the pin if you don't if you don't want Sammy and Zay, like you know Sammy and Kevin to lose that match, but you also don't want to hurt Daniel Bryan coming back. So it's weird. I mean, making it a three way to me would have made the most sense, but uh, from everything I've heard, it seems like Shane's going to be okay and he's going to be at. Mania, and they're still going the route of the tag match. As of you know, this afternoon.
0: Yeah, and I think inevitably that's going to happen. But to play with the idea. Um, my two ideas. You said one of them right at the end um, because of the fact that I think he's he's hot right now in NXT, but he's not like someone Johnny Gargano is not like someone like Alistair Black or the Velveteen Dream that have like this specific look and concept, and you you know that that character is going to help him out on the main stage. Johnny's transitioning to something. It's probably going to be 205 Live, but, you know, with the atmosphere on 205 Live, they've been developing a much better show, much better product. So if that happens, maybe you will give me more of a reason to watch if Johnny's on there, obviously, especially with this whole Tommaso Ciampa thing. But if you really want to give him a good rub before that actually happens, and even if you want to put on 205 Live, just to, you know, if people don't know him that well, which I don't think – a lot of people did. A lot of people didn't know who the hell Shinsuke was before he came on raw guys. Like, not, not everyone watches NXT, of not everyone watches new Japan. Not everyone for, for Johnny's sake, watches ring of honor, revolve, all that type of stuff. So I would love that. I think that would be really cool. If like the two underdogs teamed up, like, you know, he called him out from the back. All the guys have worked with each other. I'm pretty sure before in the past, it would be a badass match. And Johnny can take a pin. Cause he, he does that a lot. And he's so beloved by everyone gives him a good rub, WrestleMania moment, um, and sets him up a hell of a lot more and kind of evens him out a little bit, you know, so that he can be on a level like Alistair Black because, you know, he shows up with da- Daniel Bryan. People kind of know him. Then they go back and research about him, puts on a bomber match with Daniel Bryan, and then, you know, goes from there. He shows up on whatever, SmackDown Raw, 205 Live. That's going to help his popularity a lot. And I do like Johnny Gargano a lot, so I would love to see that for him. Don't think that's going to happen. Um, I love this next scenario. I'd love to see happen, but I don't think it's gonna happen either. Dan O'Brien comes out. Um, they haven't announced his partner is, uh, you know, Shane's not going to be able to make it, but we talked to, we talked to raw and we got one of his, their, uh, their wrestlers, um, to come out and help and help out for the match. Um, and someone that I actually have a lot of history with, um, and making his return Samoa Joe's music comes on just, you know, angry as shit straight beeline towards the match. You can still have him be pretty damn heelish because he's that He's intimidating. And then you got KO and freaking Sammy Zane versus Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. So it's probably not going to happen like that. I don't want to get anyone excited. Um, I, I think there really are, even though Samoa Joe's cleared, they're saving him for after mania. I get that. Um, but I'm just saying that'd be pretty damn cool. And I would mark the hell out if either one of those scenarios happened. So, uh, Best of luck to Shane. I hope he gets better. And if he's going to be – if he's fine and he thinks that with diverticulitis, um, that he he's going to be okay with the ring, then kudos to him. I'm sure that he knows his body pretty well. He keeps himself in amazing shape. So uh, did you have any uh, last statements about that one, buddy?
1: No, I mean, I guess if I had to pick a second one, Samoa Joe would definitely be up there as well. I, I think that's a great pick. And there's an easy way to do that, just make the match unsanctioned because – basically, Kevin Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn don't work there. So it should be an unsanctioned match anyways, which means that anyone can join that match as a tag team partner. So it just gives you an out if you want to pull someone from Raw or NXT, um, storyline-wise.
0: But like we keep on both saying, it's probably going to be Shane, and uh, it's still going to be fun just to get O'Brien back, and it'll probably still be a badass match. Every time I'm down on Shane... You know, I got to remember that he usually delivers a very entertaining match by himself, by putting himself at horrible risk. But still, I mean, arguably, last WrestleMania, him and AJ were one of the best matches, and no one wanted to see that going into it. So everyone thought they were wasting AJ's time. And now he's got the champ match against St. Shinsuke Nakamura. So be patient, guys. All right, we got...
1: I mean, um, I think my my, biggest problem before we move on is just the fact that it's Daniel Bryan's first match back, and it's a tag match which is fucking
0: underwhelming. But I think that maybe they're kind of easing him into it, although they did powerbomb him on the apron, so I don't know. I don't really... Vince McMahon, he's um, a very strange uh, thinker, but sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I agree with you. I wish it was a one-on-one match. Um, We'll see. We're going to get more of those, though, you know. I think we will, at least. Um... I mean, I, hope hopefully. I mean, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, now that I was thinking about it, maybe I should shut my mouth. Um, all right, last bit of news. So there's these rumors, Chris. It, I think that it's the beginning part. Uh, there is a rumor that Hulk Hogan and WWE have kind of settled a little bit of their differences. They made a statement saying that they were going to implement, or they're, they're, they're right now there's talks with Terry. Um, so you know shit's serious when they're calling him by his real name. Yes, Hulk Hogan's not his name. It's Terry Balea. Um, and uh, it went from that to, now Hulk Hogan's possibly going to commission SmackDown next year. And I'm just like, hold the hell up. Um, in reference to this, Mark Henry was on a radio show and just speaking on terms of what happened in the past with the Gawker video back in, I think, 2008 or nine, when Hulkster was pretty damn wasted and didn't know he was being recorded but said some pretty vile shit. Um, Mike said that he's not really 100% cool with it, and, you know, he talks to some of the black wrestlers, African-American wrestlers, and they're not, you know, they think that that Hulkster has a lot more bending to do. Um, And I agree, he definitely claimed ownership but also tried to blame it on certain things. And, And, I mean, for a company that has this fucking warrior award, you know, an award that you gave up to an extraordinary person every year for a guy that, that was homophobic and, and just basically a, a dick. Uh, you know, I keep on hearing more and more about him and can get over this whole entire moolah thing, uh, you know, get rid of her name because of all the uh, allegations and, and stuff in the past. It's like, is it really smart to get back involved with Hulk Hogan? And um, not that you would know, but like, what exactly could Hulk do at this point, PR wise, to get you know, back in good graces. Um, obviously, he's been trying. It's a very, very weird topic to talk about. He's been trying, and he's a hell of a lot better. Like, like I said, the Warrior Award's a joke when it comes to, the. the you know, there was no apologies from, from Warrior or J- Jim. I don't know. I guess he legally didn't go by that name anyways. But, um, Chris, what do, you, what do you think about this issue? Um, do you think that it's really necessary for Hulk Hogan to come back in any capacity?
1: I think Hulk Hogan coming back to WWE is a good thing for business overall. Um, Money-wise, ratings-wise, people want to see that guy. I mean, he's always been the, probably the biggest draw of all time. And I think that draws in a lot of the older fans. Uh, you're talking, like, people in their, you know, 40s, 50s. They'd be like, oh, hell yeah, I remember Hulk Hogan. I'll tune in for this. Do I think it's the right thing to do? Probably not. Um, I think that he's had toxic scenarios around him since, you know, even – TNA. Uh, he had some weird things going on in his life with his you know, ex-wife, um, his, his daughter, all, all, his son getting into that car wreck. Like The guy has had a lot of shit happening in his life. You had uh, the him versus Ultimate Warrior thing where they both kind of shot jabs at each other for a while. Um, the thing is, the I think the man... Him, yeah. Yeah, I, I think him and Vince, like Vince McMahon, looks at people in their WWF careers for the most part, uh, and what they accomplished there, and what they do, and, and that's really how he judges on whether they are come back or not. And I have heard like Mark Henry's side of the story. I've also heard like Booker T. come out and say like Hulk Hogan's a super nice guy, um, and he kind of forgave him. It's 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 weird, and that's a social topic. It's kind of one of those things you know I don't want to get super into. Um, yeah. I think the guy, you know, he got filmed unknowingly. He got a lawsuit out of it. I don't necessarily think you need to bring that into the WWE. I don't know what it does for you except Pop Mania. And they're not going to, I don't think they're going to get it done before Mania. So I don't, I think it's going to be talking about anything. He, they have a whole year to rebuild it. I don't know if he's going to be helping younger talent or what. I don't know how he builds that relationship back up. And I don't know how you get that relationship back out to the masses, is the other thing. Um, you live in a world that knew all about the Gawker scandal, whether they were wrestling fans or not. I mean, people know who Hulk Hogan is, whether they're wrestling fans or not, because he was shoved down their throats for so long on so many different movies and TV shows. Um, just kind of being Hulk Hogan. Uh, he, I mean, he had his own TV show, for Christ's sakes, that wasn't related to wrestling at all for years on VH1. Uh, people know who the fuck he is, whether they watch wrestling or not. So I think people yeah. have a set opinion on him, and I, I don't know how you get around that. I think you'll get the same, you know, kind of outrage when stuff about him leaks the same as it did with Moolah. And there's always other wrestlers out there who may have been treated by Hulk in the past incorrectly or wrongly or felt like they got jarred. Uh, There's plenty of interviews where people necessarily don't think Hulk Hogan is the greatest guy and you're just opening up that floodgate. I think it's a a viable Situation because of the fact that they just did you know the May Young thing. People are already up in arms about the Ultimate Warrior thing. Even though the the award itself is good, I just think you know they could have named it after anyone or uh, you know like <laughs> Bruno, anyone else. The Bruno, the, the San Martino award would have probably been my go-to for something like that. You know, uh, you know what I, I would it, I, I would
0: rename it in a couple of years once he's done after John Cena because I think that Cena, when it comes to giving out for charity, out of most wrestlers and like. He actually has embodied that type of concept I think they're going for, maybe that sounds kind of cheesy, but they need to rename that soon, like give me a fucking break. Hacks up Jim Duggan award for crying out loud
1: yeah so I, I i mean i i I could see you know anyone being like, "No, fuck that guy i haven't forgiven him It's not like he walked up to me in public apologized to me personally, so if you were offended by it and you're still pissed off at him. You're still going to be pissed off at him. I mean, like, there's not going to be a SmackDown GM angle that's going to make you want to see Hulk Hogan if you already fucking hate him because of what he said or what he did, you know. So I, I don't know. I, it'll pop ratings, but is it necessary? I, I don't think so. I think you get there by having good fucking wrestling matches. You have Daniel Bryan back, who's going to be bigger at this point than Hulk Hogan is as far as a draw goes. Yep. Like you, you they got They just got gifted Daniel Bryan. Like Daniel Bryan got cleared to wrestle. He's like a fucking gift. They don't need Hulk Hogan, unless they're gonna have Hulk Hogan do a be a star and talk about how what he did was wrong, um, for like you know a year, two years, and then maybe do something with him at Mania. Um, But having him on a weekly role on SmackDown. I mean, there's so many other wrestlers you could just slot in there at this point that that just seems kind of silly. Especially you're getting Jeff Jarrett. Like just have Jeff Jarrett do the same thing. Not that that's the best example, but you hear you know what I'm saying. Like, there's other Hall of Famers you just slot into that role uh, as GM.
0: GM Air Commissioner, man, yeah, definitely. Uh, Jeff Jarrett's a good idea. I would put Jeff Jarrett over him. i put Eric Bischoff over him to have him a part of it. I would put several other people, even Ric Flair, you know, if you want to do it. I don't know if you would want to commit to that much time. Rick's getting a little bit older. I mean, the concept of, of, of like you're saying, like, Maybe you get Sting or Ric Flair to, to take over on Monday Night Raw, and then, you know, they replace Kurt Angle, one of them, and then the other one's Hulk Hogan, you know. The the whole, a long time ago where someone was like, wouldn't it be amazing if the commissioner of Raw was Stone Cold Steve Austin and the commissioner of SmackDown was The Rock? But there's no way that's going to happen, obviously. So that type of feuding effort would actually make the commissioners a little more relevant than, here's a random wrestler that you like. Now watch as the authority throughout the whole entire year just dismantles them and completely destroys them, or they're in a weird position like Daniel Bryan was with Shane. I don't know. It doesn't really matter when it comes to that type of concept. Um, Well, I mean, it does with Hulkster, but they're so freaking pointless. They just seem like they're just talking heads. Um, But with Hulk, if there was, I'm assuming, maybe ways to mend it, is if he gets invited to the Hall of Fame this year to go out, you know, and go up and, 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 you know, apparently he did this with Alternate Warrior and, and confronted him. Go talk to Mark Henry. Go talk to Godfather. Go talk to a lot of them. Say that you really want to talk to all of them. Apologize to them. And if he's going to be on TV, one well, of the first things he needs to friggin' do is address it and apologize to everyone. It's going to be a moment like that. Because if not, you're right. It's just going to, people are going to remember it and keep on going from there. But, I, I am like you. I don't really want to talk about this. It's just an uncomfortable concept, man, because, yeah, he was at a bad time in his life. But some of the stuff that he said, it was like, damn, dude. And, yeah, he was recorded. It's just like there's a lot to it either way. But it sucks that WWE's biggest draw, the, the, the thing, honestly, that ignited WWF back in the 80s, Hulk Hogan, can't really be associated and it's not like Jim – it's just the thing that pissed me off with him and, and Warrior is that Warrior did a bunch of shady shit, has an award after him. Hulk Hogan has apologized a bunch. Seems like he can keep on doing that. The situation itself sucks that he was in, but it doesn't seem like we can ever – and he's still alive, you know what I'm saying? So, like I said, it's, 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 it's hairy. Um They don't need him, though. They really don't. They have too much going on. They, it's not like – It's just going to be a fun concept, just
1: like any commissioner.
0: Uh, Do you have any last statements, Chris, before we move on to uh, some Ron Smack
1: I mean, honestly, I could give a fuck less if they have a commissioner that's a former wrestler or not. I I mean, I've said it in the past. I think it would be hilarious to have someone like, you know, a Jack Tunney, like a president figure. Someone that's not a wrestler. Like, maybe someone that's a a good actor that's unknown or something that just plays a president role. And then if you want to heal, you just have this random guy that doesn't know dick about wrestling as the commissioner or as your commissioner of the shows or, or whatever, because like having wrestlers just get buried by Stephanie McMahon and triple H, like wrestlers that we care about, like just to build up to like a one-off match or a survivor series match where you have a team versus another team is it's fucking old and is played out. I don't give a shit about it. If you're going to bring Hulk Hogan back, like, do something cool with him, like have him host WrestleMania, have him be on like the, you know, the pre-shows, do something else with him. Like the fucking Commissioner angle has been, to me, it's been done for a yeah. long period of time. I was excited about it for Kurt Engel because I thought he was going to be way more involved. And then they kind of just stuck him with a shitty storyline of having a son. And then they just went the route of having Triple H and Stephanie McMahon bury him. And I was like, OK, well, that's fucking great. Awesome. Maybe they Remember can pull Mick out of it after. Well. Yeah. And, and maybe they can pull out it after mania, but they just recycle that same story and it doesn't, it doesn't help anyone. All it does is ensure that triple H has a spot on a card at a paper. That's all it fucking does. And, you know, for all the good things triple H does, I think that that, that the McMahon's and triple H being the focus of the show or a major focus of the show is never like what I look forward to seeing on Monday night raw. Like, they're it not. 2005, 2005. Well, yeah, I like, guess it
0: can't because Daniel Bryan and CM Punk had a lot of involvement with that concept. But I, I, I'm completely with you. It's just, it's played out. It's done. It's over. The authority concept is yeah. done.
1: And the, and the Daniel Bryan storyline built naturally because fans felt like he was yep. getting fucked. It wasn't that he was openly getting fucked on TV until they noticed that fans continued to cheer for him no matter what. And then they were like, okay, well we have to work this in a storyline. And it took him almost three years to fucking get there to that point where they were like, yep. okay, now we built the storyline around it. It has nothing to fucking do with it being a good idea of them doing commissioners or having like the corporate bullshit. The same thing with CM Punk. Like the reason the corporate thing worked with CM Punk is because he threatened to quit the company, beat John Cena <laughs> for the title, and then left... Then they held the open tournament, and he came back. So, like, natural life, like, real life made those good storylines, not the fact that there was a commissioner. And the fact that they consistently fuck that up and don't understand why it worked is baffling to me when they have, at this point, almost eight years of research on how that actually works and whether, like, commissioners do anything for the show. And to me, they, they don't, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe other people like it, but I, I fucking hate it, and I think it's dumb and there's other ways to do I
0: it. Think, I, think, I think some people do like it. I mean, I do to an extent because, like I said, it's some familiar face. I like it better, though, when it's an actual person that would make sense, like an Eric Bischoff. Um, you know, someone that has experience playing that type of role in the past, but they don't need him at all. I mean, they've been doing it for way too long. At one time, didn't they have, like, just, like, a random robot voice that would just tell people what to do? Like, it, it's done. It's, it's over with. Stop wasting legends' time. I'd much rather see since they don't they don't do managers, but they do fucking commissioners. Get some of these past wrestlers to be managers. You know, I mean, shit. Like one, uh, how many managers do they have right now? I mean, Paul Heyman apparently isn't a manager technically, from what he says, he's the advocate. But it just, I think that would be a really good route. I think that managers are a lost art form in wrestling. And, um, you know, that's what the old managers were. Freddie Blassie was a fucking wrestler beforehand, you know. Excuse my French. Bobby the Brain Keenan was a very great wrestler before he was a manager. Paul Heyman, not so much, but the man's been taking pictures back of the WWF for Vince McMahon Sr. for for getting into wrestling. So he's been around it for a while. So some conditioned guys that have been around the sport for a while as managers – I'd rather see than fucking than commissioners. They're pointless. You don't need a general manager and a commissioner. That's stupid. That's dumb. Anyways, let's get to Ron SmackDown um, because I do want to talk about New Japan too. So uh, the show opened with a promo from the advocate himself, Paul Heyman, about how Brock Lesnar will defeat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Reigns, Reigns, uh, he said that Reigns have been reinstated. Uh, but he wasn't at the uh, the venue. I, I don't know. I guess that's what someone told him. I don't know what he was going by because Reigns was definitely in the crowd and uh, started going towards the ring. Uh, Lesnar closed the shit out of him. Lesnar attacked Reigns um, with the ring steps and a steel chair. They went back and forth, giving each other chair shots. It was brutal. Uh, Brock looked like he actually like broke the chair over Reigns. Reigns was able to leave on, uh, under his own power, though, at the end of it. So... I guess a good way to open it up. The thing with the storyline, Chris, is I think it would be effective if they just didn't have Lesnar show up until Mania. I think they should have just done that. Uh it would have really pissed off and kind of gone with all these questions of what's going on with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman after Mania, you know. Is it there there actually is real reports that that Brock's playing a little bit of hardball and he's trying to work out something with WWE so he can do before be able to go to UFC, work for them, and come back and forth. And uh, I don't know if WWE's putting their foot down. I don't know if they've already figured everything out, and this is all just bullshit playing into it. But it seems like if you want to get Roman Reigns over, you just don't have him just get the shit knocked out of him two weeks in a row after he's made a big deal of this and have Brock Lesnar show up on every Raw leading to WrestleMania. It just makes uh, Roman look stupid at the end of it. And, uh, you know, like this, like, he, people were thanking Brock in the audience for beating the crap out of Roman for the second week in a row. I don't think it's effective. I think this could have been booked better. Why didn't they just have it so he shows up? Or if they want to have it, let Brock cut, cut a promo and be like, I don't care about this place. I don't care about any of you people. Like, I'm literally just here for a paycheck. Let him embrace that concept instead of just going tiptoeing around it, you know?
1: Yeah, and I agree. Um, as far as how this has been built, uh, I think a lot of this does come down to contract. I think maybe that, that could have been a storyline. Maybe Brock didn't show up until WrestleMania. I think a lot of this pivoted on the fact that they wanted to do a similar storyline with The Undertaker, where you basically would have two of the same storylines on the same show. And the other part of that is the fact that I don't know how many appearances Lesnar had, um, if he truly wants his contract to end after mania, which is what I'm assuming, if there was any leftover appearances, he would have to get those out of the way first, be free and clear. So it could have been multiple things. Um, maybe that's why they positioned the undertaker thing the way they did and they moved away from the storylines because they already had they already had something in the the pipeline i I don't know. It's weird that they had those two storylines kind of going on at the same time. Like, is The Undertaker going to show up? Is The Undertaker not going to show up? Same thing with Brock Lesnar. But I don't think the fans were ever questioning if Brock Lesnar were going to show up in the same way as, like, you know, The Undertaker. So it just seemed really weird. Um, And almost to the point where it's like, Lesnar's got to get these dates out, these raw dates out, so that he said, hey, I made this many appearances. I did mania. Now I can go do whatever the fuck I want which he wants to wrestle. I mean, he wants to fight in UFC one more time, um, at least. And then he can always re-sign with WWE or whatever. But when he's training, he's going to be out for, you know, at least, I would say at least six months going into the fight. Last time it was three months, which was kind of nuts, um, which led me to believe that he had already been training, which this could be, you know, the same thing. I don't know. Brock's life or anything. Uh, up in, I can't remember if he's in Canada now or Minnesota. I know he was in, like, Minnesota for a while, but – uh yeah, like up there on the he's Brock Ranch, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I don't know what Brock's doing on his on his giant farm if he's just f 5 cows and choking out, you know, <laughs> different farm animals. Uh, but my guess would be he had to wrap these dates up to clear his contract by Mania cuz Paul Heyman's contracts also up at Mania. They're kind of a package deal at this point. Um And it's just weird that those – I don't know if you noticed it, but those two storylines kind of overlapped. And it it went with what I thought it would go with is people don't like Roman Reigns more than they like Brock Lesnar. So having Brock Lesnar beat up Roman Reigns, people are going to cheer for Brock Lesnar. No matter how much of a heel you try to make Brock Lesnar, you've built him into a monster. So, like, the obvious answer would have been Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania would have been the big smash of the night what people would have wanted to see, and you could have put the title on Braun, and then if you wanted to drop it to fucking Roman, you could have done that very, you know, soon after or whatever, but uh, they didn't go that route, so now we're just stuck with whatever they give us, and uh, I did like that they actually used the gimmick of like, Roman Reigns, they didn't say that Roman Reigns bought a ticket, like, I think this should have happened a couple, like, you could have done this after this the, the second match of the night, the Cruiserweight match, and just talked about how Roman Reigns bought a ticket and then that's why, like, Paul Heyman comes out and cuts this promo and Brock's in the back. And then you have, like, a like, I, I felt like you could have built this a little bit more like Raven and the Flock always showing up to each week's show. Because um, it was just ran, random that he just broke into a fucking stadium and was kind of there. I don't remember them even talking about it on the announcing because, as always, they were like, this show has to open up with a segment. So let's go. Yeah, and I
0: love that he had to be in his uh, normal outfit for wrestling. Um, can't you wear some street clothes? the second time you just you just wear the fucking vest everywhere, whatever. Um, but yeah, I just the thing about the Cena thing is they don't have they do not have to have that storyline with Cena calling out the Undertaker and saying that he's a you know blah, blah blah. They could have done that a fuckload better too. But we'll get there and we'll talk about that individually. But if you're saying that you know and I agree with you that that this is hurting because of that, which I think it is because it's a very similar storyline concept. Not only that, but the fact that you already did this with Braun Strowman in a very long angle with Roman, and now you're going to try to cram it in a couple of weeks. We should have got, if we're going to have Brock, we shouldn't have had him until Mania, but if he was going to come out, he probably should have talked, he probably should have tried to piss off the fans, then that big dickhead Brock, Brock Lesnar concept that we have. So it would, it would be more meaningful. Because I'm telling you, Roman's going to beat him. People are going to boo. And then he's going to go back to his wilderness and hang out with Sable. And, you know, yeah, come on. That's all i got to say about that because I don't want to die. So, uh, yeah, let's keep on going down the card. I'm going to give you a couple matches. Chris, Nia Jax defeated Mickey James. Jax won the match after a military press into a Samoan drop. After the match, Alexa Bliss tried to cheap shot Jax, but it had no effect. Um, then after that, we have for the Cruiserweight uh Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali defeated TJP and Drew Gulak. Ali won the match for his team with a 0-5-4 on TJP. Both were good matches. You know, well, the women's match wasn't anything special, but I did I did really like that that military press Samoan, uh, Samoan drop. That was actually really cool that Naya did. Um, you know, we're going to get a match between the two of them. I think it's going to be on the, uh, the mid-card or uh, the, the pre-show. I uh, really do because I, there's no way that they're putting Charlotte and uh, Oscar on the pre-show, but should be a decent match. And then the Cruiserweight, which I unfortunately also think will be on the pre-show. That's going to be a badass match. Very fast. Um, this one was good. No one cared in the audience. Um, I, I know that 205 is doing a lot better. It usually remains in the top 10 somewhere, but at the same time, it's like, even though I think the product's gotten better, especially since Triple H has taken over, it doesn't mean that it's popular at the arenas. Um, so, kind of sucks to see these guys trying to like, get the crowd into it, and they do, but nothing to the extent of what you know they should, especially based on the cruiserweight. You know, I've been watching a lot of nitros from back in the day and seeing the cruiserweight and how they react to those guys. So you can't you can't please all fans anymore. But um, how would you feel about these matches, Chris? Uh, I
1: you know I kind of like the Nia Jax match just because of the finish. I hope that that's going to be her new finisher. Instead of just a Samoan drop or a leg drop, I kind of like that better, but I don't know how many other women can take it as well as Mickey James and maybe Mickey James talked her into that finish. that kind of seemed like that. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that match on the pre-show because at least they're paying off a, a, a long storyline between you know Naya and Alexa. because this thing had been going back to like last year when Alexa first showed up. so I, I kind of enjoy that they're paying off a storyline for once. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the match was okay. I mean, it wasn't huge. I did like the finish, like you said. I, I think that could be a cool finish for her if she can consistently hit it without putting anyone at risk. Um, I think it'd be awesome. Uh, Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali versus TJP and Drew I, I like the match. I will... My problem with the cruiserweights is that you have so many people that aren't cruiserweights that do so many similar moves. It's got to be something that makes them stand out when you put them on the main roster. Um, and tag matches aren't aren't the thing. And not giving them enough time to work is also not the thing. Uh, and when I say people that can do the similar things as cruiserweights, I'm, I like, for instance, the IC title match. You have Finn Balor and Seth Rollins who can do pretty much anything that Cedric Alexander or Mustafa Ali can do when it comes to what, what they can accomplish in the ring. So that skews cruiserweights in a way that used to not happen in WCW, and I think that's why you kind of get some of that. Um, and they don't focus enough attention on the cruiserweights in general. But that, that's just my view of what's probably happening. Um, but I, ha- I do agree, 205 Live has been a lot better the past uh, five or six weeks. You know, I,
0: I, I was thinking about this, Chris, and the fact that they keep on giving um, raw time to uh, cruiserweights doesn't seem to work out for them. Remember last week when I was talking about a women's division possibly just being by itself on both shows, and they kind of, like, you know, just have the same thing? What if they did a woman, like an hour woman show on the network, how they do 205 Live, however they want to do it, um, that deals with that stuff and still present their matches on, um, whatchamacallit, uh, on SmackDown, and to cut down, just let the Cruiserweights have 205 live. I feel like that's going to get way better ratings than Five Live, honestly. I'm not trying to kick it out of the way. And also, it will give all the women a chance to actually have established stories and, you know, be able to go on Raw SmackDown, you know, and have an hour platform for themselves specifically. One heavyweight title, a tag division. It just seems like they could give a lot more than just, like, these kind of half-assed matches where it ends up being the three females that are evil – versus the three baby faces, then there's usually like three people running around for the heavyweight title along with the champion themselves on both shows. And it's really boring as fuck. Um, is that, does that sound crazy, or would they have to lose 205 Live in order to do that?
1: I mean, I think there's plenty of room for them to do that. Um, but with them trying to elevate the women's division and the fact that 205 Live hasn't done as well, I don't know that they'd want to take that step back I feel like that maybe they would see that as a step back of, of doing like a weekly network only show. And, you know, they also push a lot of the female personality through, you know, total bellas and total divas. Uh, and they try to build feuds on those shows as well. So I, the women's division is kind of weird because I actually think the women's division right now is more popular than two Oh five live. I may be crazy, but
0: no, it is start, Well, what when, I was saying, you start
1: throwing those matches is, around.
0: And still keep it on, you know, on SmackDown like they normally do, but actually give them an extra hour and just have one women's division to be able to work with. Is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, you could do that. Uh, I mean, they kind of used to do that with the uh, the TV title in WCW, where that was kind of like your Saturday Night Live title, but the, the champion would also be on, uh, you know, Monday Night Raw or not Monday Night Raw, but Monday Night Nitro or Thursday. Thursday Night Thunder. So you could do something like that. Um, I just... I don't know. The women's work schedule is just so crazy because of the other stuff that they have to do. Yeah. A lot of them. Uh, So I don't wish them to have to go do an hour of filming plus all the other filming that they're already doing plus wrestle. Um, But I think it would be a a good way to transition people from... If you did that, you could easily you could more easily transition people from NXT to the main roster, and I think that's a good thing, um, especially for someone like an Ember Moon who's kind of just stuck where she's at right now until they pull her up.
0: No, I, I agree. It just, uh, you know, I, now that women's wrestling is so good like it is nowadays, I just wish that they had more time to be able to develop actual storylines and stuff, and it's like, you know, now we're getting the payoff for Bailey and Sasha in the battle Royal, you know, it just kind of, but I'm sure that they'll figure out better pacing. The longer keeps on going and expanding. So maybe we'll see something like this implemented. Who knows? Let's keep on going with RAW. The Miz hosted an episode of Miz TV that saw the Miztourage arguing amongst themselves and Finn Balor coming out. Uh, and then Seth Rollins to kind of like mess with them and, and make it worse. Uh, it, this was actually one of my favorite things that happened uh, tonight. Honestly, there wasn't a lot of stuff that I cared for that much. Like I really didn't care for the last match between Kane and uh, John Cena, but this was a fun interaction, and um, I liked that it seemed like the Miz is not doing that well, or at least until they took out Finn Balor and uh, Seth Rollins at the end of it. But just just a lot of heat and tension between the Miz bitching them out, saying that I've given you all these opportunities, you guys aren't doing anything, I've made you relevant. And I I really like Bo Dallas, and I really like Curtis Axel. I mean, they're they're, they're wrestling lineage. And, uh, you know, the fact that he was telling Bo Dallas off and stuff like that, and he's like, I've made the IC title more relevant than Macho Man Randy Savage, than Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, than Mr. Perfect, and then Curtis Axel's like, oh, wait, hold on. That's my dad. Let's, let's, Let's talk about that for a second um i thought that was great and it really made you believe once seth came out and once finn came out that they were kind of getting at him and i i honestly thought they were going to break up at first if everyone was to beat the shit out of of miz but they swerved attacked and i thought it was very i thought it was a good segment i thought it uh for the IC title i'm very excited about this match any of these guys win i'll be happy uh it's one of those matches and i'm also glad that the US tells. A 4 way not only because Rusev had something to fucking do, but now we don't have two three-way title or three-way matches for the friggin' mid-card titles for both places on Mania. How would you like the segment, Chris?
1: I actually really enjoyed it as well uh, for many of the same reasons you stated. I I think it's a good way to have the Miztourage break up next week and then have Miz drop the title because he doesn't have anyone to back him up. Um, or at least set up the drama going into the match of whether or not they have Miz's back or not. And I think a real cool thing they could do that maybe they don't do is actually have the Mistirage cost Miz the match and do that swerve. Where like Miz has the match wrapped up and the Mistiraj jump him and they beat him up, you get sent off on the injury for the baby leave and you, you know, have either you have two great choices of IC title depending on who you want to put it on. I mean, and they can feud for a while with Ballard and Rollins coming out of that. So uh, I think he could do that. And then it also gives Misraj something to do, and it kind of establishes them as their own tag team. They can come up with a different name for them. And the tag team division on Raw needs people anyways, so I think it would be a uh, a good fill-in spot, especially if you can have them start winning some matches. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my thoughts on it. I, I like this segment a lot overall. Uh, as far as who's going to win at Mania, uh, I, I don't care. I, I would prefer it be, uh, you know, Balor or Rollins, because I just feel like if Miz retains, he's going to be dropping it very shortly after. So it'd be nice to see, you know, someone new get crowned.
0: Yeah, I think one of my favorite statements, I don't know if I'm getting it right, but when he was to Hotels, he's like, what? you better believe your ass will be back in catering. Like that was, <laughs> I love Miz. Uh, by the way, I also want to congratulate Ms. and Maurice. They had their first child uh, today. She gave birth to it. I don't remember if it was a girl or boy. Uh, I apologize about that. But I remember reading that on Facebook a little while ago, and it popped in my head. So uh, that's another thing is, is uh, you know, is Miz going to take some time off due to that. So we'll have to find out. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that can happen in that match. Like you said, you know, now that there's tension between the miz will they break up? Will... You know, Dan O'Brien come out and cause Miz the title, just to say F you. Like, there's so much fun stuff that can happen. Dean Ambrose, I'm pretty sure, is cleared. Uh, Will he come out and help his buddy Seth Rollins? Will the club get involved? Will will this be a crazy-ass rumble brawl? I doubt it. Uh, It'll still probably be a damn good match. So we're going to be good no matter where it goes from there. Um, Let's keep on going with this card. All right. Asuka defeated the amazing Jamie Frost. (laughs) I love that they don't give any enhancement talent ever, any type of interview beforehand. And this girl, um, who apparently, I think it was Matt Morgan, was saying that she was literally like grass is green, brand new, uh, had 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 a couple matches, and then she was thrown against Asuka for this, which is fine. But, you know, she came off. She got a little promo. It's nice, I guess. And uh, Asuka beat the crap out of her. Uh, She got a uh, kick on her, and that was it. And then after that, we had Matt Hardy, who announced that he'll be in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I kind of saw that happening. Um, And then Sasha Banks and Bailey argued backstage and got into a huge brawl. That was actually probably one of my other favorite things. It's definitely kind of helped out this thing, but now they're going to go to a battle royal to be able to get their frustrations out. But I'm glad they had that moment. Um, It made a lot of sense. So how would you feel about these three segments, Chris?
1: uh the uh, the Hoska segment, the Jamie Frost thing seemed like they were trying to recapture Lightning in a Bottle with a uh, James Ellsworth, where they kind of just had that goofy character to play off of. You know what I mean? They're like, we'll give him, a, it, we'll give her an interview, and we'll see what happens. Because I mean, that's the reason he stuck around with the, the any man with two hands has a shot or whatever They the promo he cut. Um, oh my God! The gosh. band's enduring to him. So I thought maybe that's what they were trying to do here, but I kind of you know. It was a squash match, which I was fine with. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I felt kind of bad for her. (laughs) She just got squashed. There's a great picture of Jamie. If you search Jamie Frost in Google Images, it looks like Asuka is, like, teabagging her after the match, which is pretty funny. So, y'all check that out. Uh, Matt Hardy announcing that he was in the Andre, the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Uh, I'm fine with this. I guess they're going to have Bray off for a little bit, maybe redevelop his character or maybe he doesn't resign. I know that there was some question on how long he was going to be around. I don't, I don't know when his contract ends, but we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where there was some, uh, a little bit of heat backstage. And with, I believe it was, was it with Charlie? I can't remember the exact specifics, but I know that there was some speculation that Bray Wyatt might not be around that long. Um, it could be a, a thing where you have Bray Wyatt show up in the Battle Royal and then you do something else with them weird that's like a five-minute video segment between Bray and Matt. Um, but I just take this as face value. of They don't have anything for Matt right now, so they're going to throw him in the, the Battle Royal. Um, Sasha Banks and Bailey arguing backstage. This was the last thing we got to, right? Because I don't want to skip ahead. Um, yep. I, I thought it was fine, but... like uh, like I said, I'm just kind of—I've been done with this storyline for a while because I thought the payoff should have been like eight months ago for this thing, especially because it's been building for two years. And I feel like this—this uh, this t- coming to a head now, going into a women's battle royal—is like you said, it seems super weak sauce. But maybe they'll swerve us, and there'll be a singles match come out of that battle royal or something.
0: Yep, I still think that uh, – what's her name? Becky Lynch is going to – after what happened on SmackDown, which we will get to, um, with her taking – or eliminating, if you will, uh, most of uh, the riot squad, taking them out over the, the ropes, I could see it getting down to, like, the three of them, the three Horsemen women, and uh, Sasha and Bailey causing their own demise, making more of a storyline to go forward. And we'll actually really get to a meteor storyline, which I think is going to happen, which will be fine. And Becky inevitably winning the first one To give her uh, a good rub, if you will So that's, The men's is a hell of a lot more hard To predict um, Kind of hope it's Delph Ziggler I kind of, it's like Hey, I just got re-signed and they're going to do everything For me, and I've also admitted the fact that I've never been in an actual one-on-one um, uh, High-profile Match on Mania Oh, okay, well, I'll just be in the uh of the the Giant Battle Royal <laughs> That's good But whatever. I mean, I'm sure that he'll love the trophy if he wins it. Let's keep on going. Braun Strowman defeated Sheamus. Duh. Strowman promised to reveal his WrestleMania tag partner if Sheamus could beat him. Um, That didn't happen. Strowman won with a power slam. After that, Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey had an in-ring promo about WrestleMania. Absolution interrupted and asked Rousey to join them. Rousey refused multiple times, so Absolution tried to attack her. Rousey easily defeated uh, both members. Uh, while Paige told him, you know, or, or cheered on and threatened to break Mandy Rose's arm until Angle stopped her. I did like that part. Uh, she's got to get better on the mic, man. I mean, I'm not trying to be a dick, but if they want her to be a main, you know, person, she's got to be more comfortable about that. I thought having her against someone like Paige would help her, and maybe it really could, like if she kind of, like, ends up having a uh, a little bit of a uh, storyline with Absolution afterwards. Um, but at the same time, it made her look pretty damn weak during that segment. But when she flips it on and she gets all aggressive and she starts doing her judo throws and threatens to break Mandy Rose's arm and Kurt Angle is asking, like, basically begging her not to do that, that's when I'm like, all right, this is going to be awesome. So I also want to know what the hell is with the red eyeliner thing. Like, did you show your wife – because I know that your wife is very into makeup because I think that she would laugh at Ronda Rousey because I don't know what the hell she was wearing – but it was like just red underneath her eyes. She looked fucking weird as hell. Um, How would you feel about these two segments between Angle uh, and Rousey, and then the Braun Strowman match? Uh,
1: the Braun Strowman match was fine. This is typical. This, these are the tag. The, it's a tag match, so we're going to have two singles matches back to back. So uh, you know, it was a it was an okay match. It wasn't anything great. It was just it is what it is. That's what they do for those kind of matches. The uh, the angle I was fine with. I think it drug a little long, honestly. Um, but I did like, you know, the intensity that Ronda Rousey showed. She needs a mouthpiece uh, more than anyone. I, I, maybe you even trans, you know, like, maybe Kurt Angle loses this match somehow for Ronda Rousey and gets fired and becomes her manager or something, and he's just her manager. He can be like her Paul Heyman. Um or just any – She she needs a manager. I don't think that she's going to get better on the mic, Uh, at this point, at least not thrusted into it. And I don't think that she has to be good on the mic. Like, to be fair, Nia Jax is also terrible on the mic, but she doesn't have to be good on the mic. And I feel like she's still better on the mic than Rousey. It's just how you build someone. And it's okay to have a manager. Like, it's worked out for Brock. Like, Brock's not great on the mic, and he fucking hates doing it, but he's an absolute monster. And if he looks good in the ring and you build a good storyline around him, people will care about it. I think you could do the same thing with Ronda Rousey. I think there's times where she could talk. I think a good way to do it would be for her to channel that intensity uh, that she has in the ring and do, like, building into this match, instead of doing this, maybe you do, like, the the Paul Heyman-type Brock Lesnar vignette promos where they split off and, like, it's literally Brock Lesnar saying that he's going to rip someone's arms off or something, you know, and and not actually cutting a promo, but just talking about, like, what he's going to do to the person kind of old school wrestler. And they need to get back to that and less of, like, with her kind of character, you don't need her talking about how Stephanie McMahon and, you know, Triple H made her feel. You you just need pure anger and utter destruction of what she wants to do to that person. Like, this is why I want to kick this person's ass, and here's how I'm going to do it, and at the end of the night, I'm going to rip their arms off and beat them to death with it, kind of promo. It needs to be very straightforward, Direct, and if you're not going to do that, then you need to get her a Paul Heyman of some sort. Doesn't have to be Paul Heyman; it can be anyone. Like you can reach into a bag and, and hopefully find, you know, a pretty good manager um, down there somewhere. But I think actually putting her with someone like Paige would give her some validity if if she joined Absolution. You had this dominant force where people had to side with Nia Jax uh, if you wanted to turn Ronda like heel. But obviously, I don't think they're going to go that route.
0: I like the idea, though. That wouldn't be that bad at all. Uh, we'll have to see. I agree. She doesn't need some type of mouthpiece. It's just kind of awkward. And if it's not going to be uh, Heyman, which I think a lot of us kind of thought that would possibly be the situation, they got to find someone that's good. Uh, but we'll find out. This is all a very experimental type of phase. I'm just looking forward to the match at Mania. Um, and I'm just hoping that Ronda's good in the ring like she looks in the training video montages and doesn't drop Stephanie on her head. All right. Uh, the Good Brothers defeated the Miztourage. Gallows and Anderson won the match with a match killer on Curtis Axel. Glad the Good Brothers got a win. I have no idea what the hell happened during this match, and I watched it. That's that's one of those type of things that it was just like there and gone. Um, uh, yeah, they, one thing about the Good Brothers, they've had like not that much involvement with Finn Balor as far as like backstage segments, and I, I kind of hope that changes uh, next year especially. Uh, and then Elias defeated Ryan L. Uh, Great way to start it. He was talking about how great New York was and how just horrible. I forgot where they were. They were in uh, Miz's hometown because um, Miz made reference. to. He goes, I live in L.A., like just completely doggone oh, from his hometown.
1: Oh. Is it Ohio? I think he's from Cleveland. He's like a huge yeah, Cleveland was. Browns it was Cleveland, and then
0: uh, Elias started talking about how, like, LeBron's going to be, like, leaving them. Elias is amazing. Uh, Match with Rhino is whatever. <laughs> uh, he won with the Drift Away. He said a, a second Drift Away. I think that he really is going to be if, – if he's not hosting, which they got me because they had that stupid commercial that he does for Snickers, and I thought that was going to be an announcement that he was going to be hosting on WrestleMania, and I thought that would be a perfect thing for him to do. I'm starting to believe that, yeah, he's probably going to be teaming with um, Braun because I don't think they would use someone that's over and just, like, not use him at all in Mania. And if he's if they, for some reason, put him in the uh, Andre the uh, Giant Battle Royal, I think that he should probably win. I'm just saying. I think he's bigger than that. Uh, and then, oh, yeah. So what did you think about both those matches?
1: I mean, the, this damn the, uh, the
0: good John Cena bullshit.
1: The Good Brother beating the Misraj, I, I was fine with. It made sense. And I think it just gives Miz more fuel for next week. So, actually, them t- like Misraj taking a loss here, I, I, I don't have a problem with because they weren't really seen as a threat. I did like that um, Curtis Axel teased the perfect flex during the match. That's, that's the, really the only standout spot that I remember, other than Carl uh, Anderson hitting, like, this wicked rocket kick on uh, Curtis Axel and Curtis Axel selling it like he got his head took off if I remember correctly. Um, so Curtis Axel was the highlight of this match for me. But uh, uh, the the Elias uh, defeating Rhino, I think that makes sense. I mean, they, get, they had to give him someone to beat, then pull up a job, or him beating Rhino and then attacking Heath Slater. Fine. Uh, possibly for me, like you said, I think you could do a host thing with him. You could even do a, just a cool WrestleMania moment for him, even if he's not in a match, have him do something fun. Maybe, like, have him interact. If you're going to have Kid Rock do a performance, which they might. Maybe have him interact with Kid Rock or interrupt uh, Kid Rock's show. If you remember, they did that with um, Machine Gun Kelly and fucking, if I remember right, I that's actually gained more respect for Machine Gun Kelly after this. Like, Kevin Owens threw him off the stage through a table. <laughs> so maybe do something like that and just get get, get Elias for a big pop. Uh, but... I think he, you're right. He's either going to be bronze partner, which I think is fine, or uh, he's going to be in the Battle Royal. And I feel the same way about the big show. I feel like he's either going to be bronze partner or he's going to be in the uh, Memorial Battle Royal. So, to me, those are the, the two picks that I had, and I, I think you're uh, spot on with that. But I would also like to see, you know, Elias Sampson just do something musical, even if it's like interrupting a kid rock. Like, interrupting a kid rock performance would be fucking hilarious. Like, I hope they do that. That would be really... I, I, like, I, I don't even know if it's a heel move, but it'll definitely get a reaction. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see a, a the uh, hardcore Royale.
0: match. I want to see a hardcore match between him and Sidney Lauper. I want Sidney to come in and just <laughs> beat the shit out of Elias with a gold record. Just break it over his fucking head like Rowdy did uh, to Lou Albano. All right. Last match, no DQ match, John Cena defeated Kane. Cena used many of Undertaker's moves and mannerisms throughout the match. At one point, he raised up, started doing the eye thing at the end of it. He gave Kane a chokeslam. Cena won with an attitude adjustment through a table and loudly campaigned about the Undertaker not getting involved. Uh, Please, Taker, before John Cena has a damn conniption, can you just tell them that you're going to go against them because at this point we know it's going to happen. And I I have to like flip over and be happy to, you know, for it to happen. But John Cena went from one of my favorite promos to cartoon character within two weeks. And uh, the stuff is not believable. Why the hell would you be insulting the wrestler that everyone has respect for? That one that you have respect for. There's a better way to build up this damn match then, you know, you're a piece of shit, and you, you think you're washed up, well, won't you prove that you're not and beat me in the ring? Like, it's just, it's not John Cena-esque at all. It's, it's very strange, it's not working for me, I'm still looking forward to the match because I have no choice at this point. Chris, how'd you feel about this? I thought it was
1: disrespectful. You know, well, I think, about it. I mean, I think the, uh, you know, the biggest problem with John Cena versus The Undertaker is who the fuck do you put over and why, Right. Do you have Undertaker beat John Cena? And if you do, what's the point? Do you have John Cena beat the Undertaker? And if, if you do, what the, what's the point? It, like, hurts both of them. And the fans aren't going to want to see John Cena win. And neither of them are really heels. Um, so John Cena's promos have to try to get him over as the bad guy as much as possible because they, uh, the Undertaker is not going to be the bad guy in this match. Uh, it, he's just not going to be. Uh, so John Cena has to try to get himself over as a heel, I thought he did good the first two weeks of those promos. This week, it got way too into the crowd pandering of trying to use. I I get what they're going for. is like, well, you're letting the fans down. But when you do it like seven times in one promo while holding a microphone out, you're getting very like, I think I'm The Rock. And John Cena is not The Rock. Like pausing for fan reactions. um, The Rock can do that. John Cena can't do that shit. The, the, The Rock can. And to some extent, a little bit John Cena, but not not to the way that he was trying to do it. So it, it almost seemed like pandering. Also, um, watching John Cena do, like, the eye roll as he walked out of the building was the most hilarious thing ever because he totally didn't fucking nail it. It looks ridiculous. It's kind of like watching your, you know, a 40-year-old white man try to do the moonwalk for the first time. It's kind of what it seemed like. But it also made me realize how badass of, like, how big the Undertaker's presence is. Like once again, like when when John Cena just set up, I didn't even realize that he was doing an Undertaker gimmick until Michael Cole pointed it out. I thought he just like, got up. But when the Undertaker does it, it's like holy fuck, it's the Undertaker. Um, and a lot of that plays into the mystique of the fact that you know it's the Undertaker, and I've been watching him since like you know the, the early '90s since he tombstoned Hulk Hogan onto a chair, yeah. he broke his neck. Yep, yep. you know. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, (laughs) uh, I wish he would have done something more. Like, John Cena can do very athletic stuff. It would have been really cool to see him do, like, old school. Like, something to really pop the crowd or or get them pissed at him. The whole thing is, like, no one is pissed at John Cena for wanting to fight The Undertaker. It's kind of like when Shawn Michaels fought The Undertaker. It's like, Shawn Michaels really wasn't the heel. He tried his best, you know, to be the heel. But you don't – the only person I know that's fought – really fought Undertaker and been a heel is like Bray Wyatt was the last person I know that played that character. Well, I guess triple H to some extent where fans really had a reason to cheer against him. but Undertaker is basically retired. Like he retired after the last match. I think people were okay with him leaving. I think they were pissed that it was Roman Reigns and that was the last match. Maybe that's why they wanted to go back to the well one more time. But it's like, this doesn't do anything for John Cena. If he loses, it doesn't do anything for the Undertaker. If he wins, I still don't know why they're having this match other than to have John Cena do something, but now they have this gaping hole open where he could have teamed with Daniel Bryan, which I know they didn't know ahead of time, but you could have done something really cool where you had Daniel Bryan and John Cena versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, which would have been a hell of a lot more fun. Um, Oh, I I don't know. The match itself was fine, and when I heard there was a no-DQ match, when we talked about this last week, the one thing I said, I, I said that if you really want to do this right, and you want to try to get heat on John Cena, you have to have him demolish Kane, and then you have to have The Undertaker come out. Just yep. having him beat, beat Kane here, and The Undertaker not come out, is... it didn't really do anything for me. But like when they said it was a no-DQ match, and I made that prediction last week, that, hey, this is the route that I would go... That's what I thought was going to happen. I thought, like, Kane was going to get slaughtered with all of the Undertaker's moves. And I was like, man, maybe John Cena will hit a spinning tombstone piledriver. They do let John Cena do some weird shit, but then I got way too excited and thought he was, like, Okada for a second and had to dial it back. And then I saw the actual <laughs>
0: <laughs> Like, yeah, if you really want
1: a match for this pay-per-view, you get Okada to fight fucking Undertaker. That'd be awesome. Uh, but or, I, I mean, I look forward or, to seeing I'll, the match, but
0: Let's, let's get Okada to go against uh, John Cena if we're gonna get him to go against one of those guys. Jesus. Um, although I think Okada <laughs> would rather would rather go against the Undertaker. Obviously, he's a big fan of his Tombstone. So uh, not 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 that Undertaker the only person that's done the Tombstone. I, I think that's been done for a while. I mean, Andre used to do it way back in the '70s, but he's known for it. I think that it's like the super kick. It's like yeah, gentleman Chris Adams was the one who invented it, but people do it because of Shawn Michaels, you know, no offense or anything like that, but just saying. Um, all right, so SmackDown, show opened with a recap of last week and what happened with Daniel Bryan, and it was sad to watch, but we're going to get an announcement from him later on involved in the whole entire thing. Jinder Mahal shames Randy Orton and Bobby Roode for beating up uh, Sunil Sting so bad that he can't compete this week. He then introduced his new tag partner for the night, Rusev. He said that I'm going to tr- I'm going to trade in a Siberian tiger for uh, a lion or something like that. It was just it was pretty funny. And then Rusev came out. I just screwed it all up. Rusev and Jinder Mahal defeated, uh, Randy Orton, and Bobby Roode, Orton hit an RKO on his own partner Root, Cause he was pissing them off and then turned around and got a machka kick right in the face, uh, from Rusev for the win. Um, Backstage, Mahal thanked Rusev for his help and invited him to his Punjabi celebration when he wins at WrestleMania. But and said that he would even buy him a front row ticket um, for the whole entire event. But Rusev said that since he pinned the U.S. Champion, he was going to have he was going to go up to Daniel Bryan and try to convince him to make the triple threat at WrestleMania a fatal four way. Daniel Bryan did that uh, later on in the night. He they announced that it's going to be a fatal four way, um, and I am looking forward to that situation. Becky Lynch defeated Ruby Riot. Lynch got a pinfall victory over Riot with a roll-up and then took out all the ladies and, like I said, uh, Battle royal style theorem over the top ropes, uh, looking like a badass. Um, So, yeah, before I pass to you, uh, the whole... I enjoyed the match with Jinder and Bobby Roode. I think that adding Rusev adds a different element that's really good. It gives Rusev something to do. Um, I, I love that, you know, it's kind of like they're still trying to push him as a heel, but they know that he, he's over with the fans because he ends up screwed over Jinder and getting involved in the match anyways at the end of it. Um, and I like the sequence of events of how they were trying to work together as Bobby Roode screwed screwed over or screwed up Randy and then, you know, knocks into him, so he just gives him an RKO, and he's like, shit, and then turns around, Machka kick right in the face. Um, I don't see... Rusev winning, but if I was them, I would be putting the title on Rusev. He's a past U.S. champion. I don't think Randy's going to win. I would make this a four-way elimination match. You don't have to give that that much more time, but it will just give a different element to the match. Um, Have Jinder go out pretty damn quickly, followed by Randy Orton, yeah, the champion loses, who cares? And then have it between Bobby Roode and Rusev, and Rusev beats Bobby Roode. Maybe have Rusev, Braun Strowman style, and beat all, beat all three of them, basically, in the whole entire thing. Just make him look like a badass. We can, d- we can have Rusev day. Bobby, Heel can do some he- uh, Bobby Roode can do some heelish shit throughout the match, like towards the end, to try to like screw over Rusev. I mean, that's what we want, uh, but I feel like Mr. Roode is going to get the title back. I don't think it's going to do anything. I think they just added him to give him something to do cuz they know he's over. Uh how did you feel about the whole Jinder Rusev US title scene and then the the match with Becky Lynch and Ruby Riot? I
1: thought the mess- match with uh Becky Lynch and Ruby Riot was fine for what it was. It sucks that Ruby Riot's not getting more wins cuz I feel like that really hurts the Riot squad in general. In my opinion, I feel like they've kind of been like punching bags a little bit. Uh but that's kind of how things go right now, uh, heading into Mania. They don't have much for them to do without adding another match, which is kind of a scary thing. Um, outside of that, you, you talk about the, uh, the, the Rusev. I like the idea of it making it a four-way, and the reason I like that idea is because Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton, and Bobby Roode all work, like I've said before, one of the reasons I was kind of down on that match was they, they work similar styles, kind of slow at plotting. Um, methodical, not bad. Not they're all, they're both great wrestlers. I just think that they like could use someone like Rusev, who's a, like I wouldn't say more exciting, but a little faster paced in the ring and, and kind of more brutal uh, with his move set. I think it adds a little bit to the match that wasn't there before. And then also you get the fan pop from Rusev Day, and you have Aiden English on the outside, which makes things interesting. Where you could do something like Rusev gets the title if you wanted to, um, or you could do something where you know a big contender or the champion gets, you know, is the reason, like, loses. Um, I think that probably Randy Orton retains, and then you build back to Rude versus Orton. I feel like they're not done with that storyline. And that maybe you get a subset storyline, which would be very unlike WWE, where you get Rusev, the uh, Bulgarian crusher, former Russian crusher, versus... uh, Jinder Mahal, which could also be interesting depending on how they go with it. So I, I think those would be the two feuds that are probably coming out of it. As far as who ends up with the title, I, I think Orton probably obtained. But I, I like this match much more now that it's a four-way match, instead of a three-way match.
0: Yeah, it, it gives me more interest in the whole entire thing, honestly. Um... Now I have a level of interest where before I was kind of like, all right, whatever, kind of more lackadaisical about it. I do agree with you. I think the only reason I see Bobby rude is because I would personally like to see Randy Orton go to raw to kind of change up his setting, maybe make him a heel, you know, just give him a completely different type of concept and give it back to rude and hopefully start turning him heel because I'm kind of sick of the, uh, the, uh, cool uncle fucking routine they got with the bathrobe. Um, All right, Dan O'Brien came out, addressed the crowd, and said he's going to give Kevin Owens and Zayn one final opportunity. Brian announced it would be Owens and Zayn versus uh, Dan O'Brien and Shane McMahon at WrestleMania, and he believes McMahon will be able to recover from his injury in time to compete. So right then and there, you guys, there's no 100% on that. Um, If Owens and Zayn win at Mania, they will be reinstated. Brian said he's sick of being general manager, he's sick of freaking meetings, he's sick of whatever the – Hell cardigan thing is that he's wearing. I thought it was awesome, and he starts really flipping out. He apologizes to like the kids and everyone for because he's about to say the word ass, and he kind of stumbles on the way. But his delivery and his aggression—the fact that you know that Tim just putting his passion for the fact that he's back in wrestling and he's about to go back at it at WrestleMania—I fucking loved it. And when he said that Kevin Owens, I'm gonna kick Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn's ass. Like normally it's like ooh, so, you know, whatever, you know. But like with him, it's like, yeah, stop, get him!
1: So I thought it was awesome. It really
0: affected me. Chris, how did you like it?
1: Daniel Bryan is the ultimate underdog. So even if he goes into this match with no partner by himself, two-on-one, lose, lose or win, people are going to cheer the fuck out of him. And I love the promo. I thought it was great. I think there's a lot of stuff they could have done differently. Obviously, their hands were tied by him getting cleared. But I am just so glad to see that man cutting an actual wrestling promo. And knowing the fact that he's about to lace up the boots at WrestleMania uh, gets me super fucking excited, even if it's a match that I'm not that excited about. Because it's something I didn't think I was going to see again, um, at least not in the WWE ring, at least not at WrestleMania. I thought probably New Japan, which honestly kind of excites me more at this point, because fucking Okada and you know, Kenny Omega, lost Ospreay, <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr., but <laughs> outside of just ring te- yep. technical nonsense, it's really cool to see Daniel Bryan cut that kind of fucking promo and the fans pop for it. And uh, I think last week we had that you it brought up questions like, do you think he, that he will still be as over as he was? And I think the answer is like, you start giving this guy fucking wins, meaningful wins? Hell yeah. <laughs> if he beats a Sinsuke or an AJ, like he's going to be fucking right there back at the top. He's the lovable underdog, man. He is the Rocky of wrestling. I don't know. Like, I've never met anyone that was like, you know, Daniel Bryan, he sucks. Like, fucking people love Daniel Bryan. I fucking love Daniel Bryan. No. I'm glad to hear he's ready to go. And I am super excited for uh, just seeing him again in a wrestling ring. And seeing him at WrestleMania because that crowd is going to lose their fucking shit when his music hits knowing that he's going to come out in ring gear and uh, go against <laughs> Go against two great wrestlers uh, as well. Um, it's going to be fucking awesome. And I'm also really interested to see what he does in the ring. If he goes back to a similar moveset, what he incorporates, what he doesn't incorporate, uh, that's all more, of, like I said, the more nerd technical wrestling side of stuff that I really dig. But it's going to be fucking awesome to watch. And I enjoyed the promo. And Like like you said, I thought it, I think he did have a good recovery off that. And the fact that they came out and said that this is live, I do think they're still gearing towards the Tag match But at the end of the day You could You could You do a handicap match If you really wanted to Um It would just come down To Daniel Bryan Getting fucked over and, and how you want the crowd To remember Daniel Bryan's First match back And how many times He's going to wrestle a year Uh That kind of thing Uh You could also do Where you Like Sammy screws over Kevin Owens Uh There's a lot of things That you could do Just in a handicap match That I haven't even Thought about Before just now But I do think it's going to be A tag match And uh from, like like we said, from the looks of it, it's going to be Shane, which I'm fine with. Uh, I don't think he's – it's going to be mostly Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan's going to get the majority of this offense, and Kevin Owens is going to sell his ass off for, like, five seconds and then fall out of the ring. And then most of it's going to be probably DeBrye and uh, DeBrye and uh, Sammy Zane just because of how uh, WWE matches kind of work. But I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, man. <clears throat> Daniel Bryan has that reaction, that baby face. Like, there.
0: I don't think that there's – he's in, like, a level like a Ricky Steamboat or a uh, – whatchamacallit, a Rey Mysterio. Like, just super fucking underdog baby face. Like, you know, he's not supposed – because of his size, even though he's so skilled, he's not supposed to be this good. Like, I love Daniel Bryan. Um, that's why, dude, if Johnny Garganas, he's kind of like this generation, he has that potential to be – that will be a really cool replacement, but I'm not going to get my hopes up for that. I'm happy I'm going to be able to see him Saturday night beat the shit out of Tommaso Ciampa, but we'll get into that at another time. I, oh, I'm going to be able to watch that uh, very soon. forgot. Duh, it's Wednesday. All right, let's get to these matches. we got two more and then the main event. The Bludgeon Brothers defeated the New Day. The match ended in a disqualification when the Usos ran a ringside attacked Rowan. The New Day then bickered with the Usos for getting involved with their match and getting it thrown out, and then the Bludgeon Brothers cleared the ring. After that, Dolph Ziggler defeated Tyler Breeze. Ziggler hit a zigzag on Tyler and got the pin. After the match, he super kicked Fandango as well. This match was so hilarious. You know, not not too long ago, when people before uh, Brazongo, I'm sure people would really love to see uh, Tyler Breeze go against Dolph Ziggler. But Fandango was running around the damn ring like an like an idiot, strutting his stuff in front of the uh, the uh, Andre the Giant fan- or whatever the hell. Uh, He was basically like humping something. I think it was the Andre the Giant trophy. I don't remember. All I'm saying is that he's hilarious. They're great, but it kind of sucks that they're kind of jobbers at this point as well. But how did you feel about these two two matches involving tag team people?
1: There you go. Fuck. Well, I think the Bludgeon Brothers New Day angle makes sense because they're building towards that three-way tag match. I still want to see the Usos walk out. But it does feel like Bludgeon Brothers have a good chance of walking out champions. The New Day, on the other hand, they're kind of the the whipping post here um, until the draft, I think, honestly. Uh, but, like, to me, I still am hoping that the Usos break that record and you get that Usos-New Day rematch. uh with with like almost the record on the line Or like a special event where the record's on the line Even if you did it on the WWE Network Like an empty arena match or something really cool Which WWE would never do But I think that could be something very, very fun Like same day, even if it's not on a wrestling event You do like an empty arena or a special event uh, Based around it, which would be really fun uh, And I think very cool Because I think the Bludgeon Brothers You can send them to Raw, who really needs a tag team really bad and have them, you know, be dominant over there. And they have other big guys to work with. Uh, but the match, you know, that match itself was fine. Those are just opinions on the SmackDown tag division more than anything else. Um, and then Ziggler beating Tyler Breeze, I was fine with this, that it's kind of just the guy they put there. Uh, it looks like they're trying to rebuild Ty Dillinger. I actually thought they would throw Ty Dillinger in the spot to give, you know, Dolph a couple of wins. Um, where it would be Doff versus Ty Dillinger for a while, but uh, it made sense to give his first win over Ty- Tyler Breeze, and they were entertaining. It was more of a comedy match than anything else, but uh, it, it it did its job, and it, it, it was fine. All right, last
0: up, we got Shinsuke Nakamura defeating Shelton Benjamin. Uh, back and forth was great. It makes me miss uh, Shelton um, you know, as a singles wrestler. Uh, AJ Styles is in Nakamura's corner for this match, so there's a point where uh, Chad Gable was about to screw over, if you will, Shinsuke, and the AJ came up and slammed him or pulled his legs down, made him slam his head into the uh, apron. Um, but, yeah, Nakamura inevitably got the pin with the gush-up. After the match, Nakamura invited Styles in the ring and said he never needed help, or he never needed his help. He just wanted to show him how he's going to beat him at WrestleMania. Styles said he won't be playing games at WrestleMania, and they're going to tear the house down, but Styles will prove he's the best. Nakamura said, he'll beat Styles at Mania because Styles is too emotional. Gable and Benjamin jumped Styles, and Nakamura cleared the ring. Then, T's hitting Styles with a Kinshasa and taunted Styles. Um, besides the emotional line, that was the best promo that Nakamura has done, and I wish that people would get off his balls because he really seems like he's coming a long way on being articulate with English, which I know is not a hard or an easy thing at all. I thought it was very comical, the lines that he was delivering towards him. Um, uh, and I like that he's got AJ. he's in the, AJ's head, basically. And this is going to be a fun match. I really also enjoyed, like I said, seeing um, Shelton Benjamin get a chance to strut this stuff in a singles match. Um, and I love that Kinshasa at the end where he stopped right in front of uh, AJ and just, like, rubbed his head real quick. I thought that was so effective and just, you know, it's, it's going to be a fun match. They definitely should have built this up more. Um, they're doing a shitty job with that, I think. Uh, there's not much at stake besides, you know, the fact that Nakamura wants wants to beat AJ. You know, I wish that they kind of, like, just brought up their past. They don't really have to say New Japan if they are not allowed to, but they can reference the fact that they've wrestled before. You know, just kind of build this up more so. Um, and I want to say also, because I forgot about it with the Usos, that everyone, that Stone Cold said this on his podcast, Can everyone quit fucking pointing at the WrestleMania sign? That should happen maybe once per person if it's referenced in the speech that you're friggin' doing. You don't have to do it every single time. It's just slamming you in the head. If it's in the fucking shot, I think people get it. I don't know if I'm talking to Vince directly because he thinks this is like a supreme marketing concept to get WrestleMania stuck in someone's head. If you're going to purchase it, you're going to purchase it. It's the biggest friggin' wrestling event of the year. Everyone does not need to fucking point at it every time they're talking about it. It looks stupid. Sorry. End Dane rant. How'd you feel about that ending with
1: Nakamura and AJ? Yeah, I mean to go off the WrestleMania thing, me and you yelled about that. We yelled about that shit last year, so that's not that's nothing new. They they did this shit last year too. It's it's ridiculous though. I agree. Um, the Nakamura match I actually enjoyed. I wish it was longer because I kind of wanted to see Shelton Benjamin go longer in singles competition. Um, but outside of that, like I, I like the build up, and I thought his promo was you know pretty good for you know who Nakamura is. Nakamura's in-ring charisma and what he's able to do in the ring means way more than his promos, anyways. Even if you were to go back and watch some of his New Japan stuff and some of, the, you know, even the translation there uh, was not his strongest point. The fact that he's so charismatic in the ring, like the fact, you know, like he almost hit the Kinshasa can- and then he just rubbed AJ's head. Like that kind of shit is what makes Nakamura great. Not necessarily. His promo skills, even if you're looking at it from a, a Japanese fan standpoint, uh, going back to his his other feuds in New Japan before he left. That being said, like I, English is a second language. Maybe kind of a fucking break. Like, I, the yeah, people that insult do, do you speak fucking English and Japanese? Probably not. So shut the fuck up. It's just annoying. It's the same people that give Oscar shit, and it's like, what? It's gonna be the best fucking match It's gonna be the best match at Wrestlemania Do you need anything else? Like They're gonna have the best match at Wrestlemania When I look at that Wrestlemania card That's the match that stands out That I circle and go That's gonna be the fucking best match Um Unless Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon Are able to pull out a Fucking one hell of a banger With Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn That's the match I look at and go That's gonna be the best match Um because it's the only one that doesn't really have a gimmick around it. It's a straight singles match, uh, besides Roman and Brock. Like, it's a straight singles match between two people that have worked together before, that have had great matches in New Japan. It's, it's going to be the best fucking match. And that's the thing that you should be more entertained about. And, I mean, the build for it is the fact that Styles is the champion. Nakamura wants that shit. He won the Royal Rumble. That's all the builds you need. Um, but I agree with you. I wish they could incorporate more of the New Japan, more of the history, more of the Bullet Club history. And then you could even build in, you know, Finn Balor and the club there. Like, if they could just pay for the rights to that stuff, do whatever they need to do to get that done. I think it builds future storylines for you. But at the end of the day, it's going to be the best match on the WrestleMania fucking card. And it doesn't matter if Nakamura could cut, like, a gazillion Stone Cold promos or, like, one promo that's, you know, legible to the human ear. It doesn't fucking matter because it's still going to be the best match on the card. It's going to be the one that everyone talks about.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I was wondering, before we go into this New Japan card, kind of go over some of the ending matches, um, I actually think it would be really ballsy but awesome. If, and they can, I'm assuming what they would do is probably second to last would either be AJ and uh, Nakamura or Brock and Roman. But do you think it's crazy – and do you think it's not possible for them to have Charlotte and Oscar close the event? Because I think that they're going to have a fucking amazing match as well. And I think that that would say a lot to put two women in the, you know, technically the last match at WrestleMania, the the main event, if you will.
1: I have absolutely no problem with it. Um, I think it would be, I think it would be really, really fucking cool uh, if they did that. I don't think they're going to do that. In fact, I think what they should do is Nakamura over AJ Styles and then have Brock and Roman yeah. earlier in the card. Because, like, to me, they're going to have Roman win. So you run the risk of, if Roman wins, are you going to have people pissed off for, like, some buffer matches you can put in between? Or are you going to send people home <laughs> pissed off and then you get that shitty Monday Night Raw crowd the day after? Um Oh, it's a double edged sword. Because well, or is uh, I don't think Taker
0: gonna and people are going to be the last match?
1: Meet your last, last year. match should always. <sighs> yeah, your last match should always be a title match, though. Yeah, I agree. Like your uh, your totally UT, UT's Taker retiring, and he didn't re- like if it would have been Taker retirement match, and that was it done. I would I wouldn't have had as much of a problem with it, but knowing that he's coming back. Now, in retrospect, it's kind of like, well, why the fuck was that match there? Um, <laughs> when you look at the rest of the stuff in that on that card last year, which it wasn't even the best card. Like this card's, this card's probably better as far as the quality of matches you're going to get. But um, you know, Charlotte Flair, Oscar main event, that'd be fucking awesome. I think that that's a cool way to go. Um, my worry is that the fans could be exhausted from other matches and. Get kind of shitty and disrespectful because it's not your normal crowd; it's the WrestleMania crowd. So, I think everyone wants to see Nakamura versus Styles, no matter what part of the country they live in, uh, or, or world they live in, I should say, because we we're talking about WrestleMania. That's the that's the match I would personally put on.
0: Yep, I agree. All right, uh, let's go over uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Style. Of- it's an awesome pay-per-view uh, for the most part. Chris, well, since we, we definitely want to get to the uh, meaty two last matches, I'm going to kind of fly through these other ones. And uh, if you want to make a comment, I'll leave you enough time to do that. The first part was your punky 3K, Rocky Romero, showing jo- yo defeating SoCal Uncensored. Um, our guest next week, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. I thought this was a pretty damn good match. It was, it was a short one and uh, a lot of aerial maneuvers. Uh, Rocky Mero got like knocked, um, very, very beginning of the match and was pretty much out the whole entire time. And I really enjoy showing, yo, I know that you definitely watch this match. How'd you like it?
1: I really like this match a lot. I thought it was a great opener. Um, considering the spot on the card they were at, I thought, I thought it was pretty awesome. I thought Christopher Daniels looked really, really good, um, throughout the match. Scorpio Sky was great. Uh, it had been a while since I I had seen uh Frank Frankie Kazarian and all of these guys work together, so that was exciting in itself. Um, I keep up with Ring of Honor, but most of the time when I catch it it's either them doing a singles match or them doing like a tag match with Christopher and uh Frankie Kazarian. Um so it was cool to see see those two go at it with uh and yo, who I also did a phenomenal job. It was a fun match. It was one of my uh one of the matches I liked out of the entire card, going back and watching it, probably the most, like it kind of stood out. I thought it was very energetic and it was definitely a great way to open the show.
0: I agree. All right, next match, Takuchi Japan, which is Juice Robinson and Dave Finley holding it down. uh, Defeated uh, Goto and Gato from Chaos. Dave Finley hit a cutter on Gato and got the pin. I thought this was a pretty damn, um, pretty good match, solid match. Um, I really like Dave Finley. I really, really like uh, Godot. And I like I like all the guys involved in this, and Juice is very intense as a wrestler. Um, nothing too crazy, though, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, Chris, do you have any statements for that one?
1: Yeah, I thought it was a fun match. I, I like Juice Robinson and Dave Finley a, a lot. Uh, Godot is cool um, as well. It, it was... I didn't think it had the same energy as the first match, and I, I don't know that you know throwing a tag match right after the uh, a triple the, a triple tag match is my favorite thing in the world to do on a card. But uh, I I liked it. You know, overall I thought it was a it was a fun match to watch. Um, I don't know how it was for the crowd, but it, it it was a lot of fun to watch. I liked the cutter uh, the cutter spot at the very end for the pin. Um, I thought was.
0: Yeah, I did like the ending. I also liked. Um... JR, you know him and him and um, Josh Burnett have a lot of fun, I think, on commentary because JR is very very knowledgeable about American wrestling, Southern based wrestling. He's been talking about for a while. Josh Burnett knows a lot about martial arts, obviously from being an MMA fighter. So they bounce off each other well, and he made a uh, comparison. I love JR's comparisons because there are a lot of out of nowhere, but he compared Goto with Bret Hart, saying that. He's a great wrestler at several different things, like maybe not just an expert at one of them per se, but very good utility wrestler at different things. And I can see that from the matches with Goto where he means from that. I like stuff like that. All right, next match, Killer Elite Squad, Uh, Lance Archer and Davy Boy Smith Jr. defeated Chaos members Chucky T and Toro Yano. Uh, Lance Archer pinned Chucky T after Killer Elite Squad hit the killer bomb. Match wasn't anything too special, uh, much uh, Killer Elite beating the crap out of two guys with Yano Elements and all Goofy and stuff, which is fun. Um, find out that he's actually an MMA fighter, too, is just crazy. Love the character. My favorite thing about it was Lance Archer doing the old school um, Undertaker move, but instead of stopping in the middle, he went all the way to his corner where Davy Boy was uh, sitting, tagged him in, did the move, and then Davy Boy came out and slammed uh, – I forgot which member – Probably Chucky e. T, but I thought that was a really, really cool way of doing that. Any comment?
1: Yeah, I mean that was probably my favorite spot of the match, minus Yano being Yano, which was, which is always just incredible. Like he's, he's just really funny, and the, the fact that he's embraced that gimmick uh, so heavily, it, it, he's always fun to watch, and I think it builds a good tag team for the tag team division in New Japan if the, if the Killer Elite squad sticks around. I like Davey Boy Smith Jr. a lot. <sighs> So I look forward to seeing what Lance and him are able to do.
0: I was very impressed by that old school maneuvering. But, yeah, both of them are pretty badass. Bullet Club, Cody and Marty Scurll defeated Bullet Club. Girl is a destiny. Tama Tonga and Tonga low. Co- Cody cut a promo, and this has been a run-on joke. He always keeps on like, coming out and say the Bullet Club is fine. And it's getting progressively worse with the crowd. Now everyone was just flat-out booing him, like, yeah, give me a break. Uh, Tangaloa said he wouldn't deny the Long Beach fans a match uh, after Cody tried to like get them not to have the match. It was a hard hitting match. It was fun. Cody got the pin on Loa after hitting the crossroads. Uh, just I love this interaction with Marty. And him jumping like scared onto Cody or asking Cody to, to kiss him on the cheek. I thought that stuff was great. I love Cody and Marty as as they're two of my favorite heels, honestly, right now. Um, and they do some heelish shit later on. Uh, but, have uh, any, um, any any word on this, buddy?
1: Marty was awesome. I, coming away from this, I kind of felt uh, Loa taking the pin. I feel like maybe him and, and Tama Tonga may be splitting up. I think they may see a little bit more in Tama Tonga as a singles guy than a, a tag wrestler. So, kind of interested to see where they go with that, especially with the, the promos they had t- uh, Tama hit, uh, you know, over the past – at the G1 last year if you recall that, he had, a, he had a couple of big promo moments when he was part of the G1. I think he would be a great singles competitor. Not to take anything away from uh, Low, but uh, coming out of that match, I was like, man, Tama Tonga is fucking awesome. Um, and, and yes, I, Marty Skrull is, is probably one of the best heels in the business right now. I'm still coming around on Cody. Uh, I don't know how I, I... like Cody's obviously great, but I don't know if I'm throwing him in the echelon of top heels right now. I like, I like what he's got going with the ring and and uh, the Bullet Club being fine. Uh, I'm just waiting for that breakout heel moment. And I think it's going to come soon, probably, between him and you know Kenny Omega.
0: For me, it's already happened. When he attacked Kenny, I thought that was... that kind of, like, just perfected that, but um, let me uh, let me combine all three of these matches so we can get to the big ones real quick. All right. So, Los Cinco, Bonables de Capone, uh, Nato, Sonata, Bushi, and Takahashi defeated Takuchi Japan, which was uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, Kushida, and Taguchi. Uh, I don't remember Kushida ever having one moment in this whole entire match. Oh, uh, and, and Dragon League, I'm sorry. Um, but most of it was just fun, as you can tell, probably high-flying style maneuvering. Uh, Nato hit the destino on Taguchi to get the pin. And Mysterio addressed the crowd and said that uh, he was sad that he couldn't make it for Liger versus Osprey due to a t- torn bicep, but he still wants to have one more match to make up for it. Well, Ospreay defeated Justin Jushin Thunder Liger. Pretty quick match, but pretty damn good match. Osprey won via Ozcutter. Uh, After the match, Marty Skrull attacked Osprey. After Osprey called out Rey Mysterio for a match, um, Rey Mysterio tried to come in the match, um, and uh, Marty Skrull grabbed his mask, uh, started parading around with it on his head while someone was trying to help Rey cover up his face, and then Jushin Thunder Liger finally came in, ran out Marty Skrull, and so on. Um... And so it looks like we're going to have uh, Osprey versus Ray, which is awesome. And then soon after that, we'll probably get back with him and Marty going back to the title again, which is awesome. Suzuki Gun. Uh, Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Okada and Ishii. Uh, Zack Sabre forced Ishii to submit after the match. Sabre stretched Okada as well and taunted him. Great fucking match. Uh, both Suzuki, who I'm pretty sure Suzuki has the IC title. I'm pretty sure he's going against uh, Ishii soon. I know for a fact Zack Sabre going against Okada for the title. They made them look awful. And like I said, Ishii got so many hits in the face. I thought he was convulsing at certain parts. So I was uh, very excited about that. I can't wait for the Zack Sabre match against um, Okada. It's going to be a really great test for Okada's character. Um, but, yeah, real quick, so we can uh, talk about the U.S. match and the uh, last tag match, buddy. How did you feel about – do you have any statements about those last three matches?
1: Uh, Well, the first one, I just – I fucking love Nato still. Uh, every time I see Nato in the ring. I'm yeah. Like, yeah, fucking amazing. Um, Rey Mysterio Jr. addressing the crowd I think is really exciting. Obviously, uh, I didn't expect Justin Thunderliger to win, even though I was cheering for him because I'm a huge Justin Thunderliger mark. I was fine with the Oz Cutter. I think the aftermath made sense when they're building back to Osprey versus uh, Marty. Um, it's cool. Maybe they maybe they do a three-way match, do something weird with Rey Mysterio. I like Marty stealing the mask, very old-school heel, taking the Luchador's mask. Um, I'm looking forward to all the storylines coming out of that. Uh, I also like uh, the Suzuki gun match. I thought it was really, really well worked. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And not only that, I like that Sabre uh got, got a hold of Okada and kind of stretched him while taunting him and stuff, you know, like like put putting suspicions on and uh they did literally beat the shit out of uh Ishii. Almost that whole ma- Ishi's the match selling. Jesus. So, um it was a fun match. That that's one that I would recommend watching on this card. Uh that and Roppongi three K for sure were probably my two Favorites going into that, uh, the Golden Lovers match, which we're going to talk about here in a second.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to go through the last matches, give my opinions, and I'll let you have it, and then you can kind of close out your end for the people. But um, last few matches, definitely the ones to watch IWGP U.S. Uh, championship match, Switchblade Jay White defeated Hangman Adam Page. White reversed a right of passage into a Blade Runner and got the pin to retain. After the match, David Finley attacked White and challenged him for the U.S. title match. Thought the match was awesome. Uh, a couple of spots I was telling Chris scared the shit out of me. I think Jay White is either so precise he's a fucking amazing wrestler or he's a little bit reckless. Uh, when he did the apron suplex and suplexed uh, Paige off the apron onto the ground, if he was two inches... Towards the apron, he would have directly dropped him on his neck. So some of that stuff kind of made me worried, but it was a hard-hitting match. I thought JR was going to have a heart attack because he was getting nervous for the guys. I can tell. Um, Which, for a reason, they beat the crap out of each other, and they had a banger. And the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega and Kota Bushi, defeated the Young Bucks, Nick Jackson, Matt Jackson. Lovers won. Via pinfall after hitting the golden trigger on Matt Jackson after the match, Cody came out to yell at the Young Bucks, pissed them off. Omega came out for the rescue after he was attacking them, but the Bucks refused – or, uh, but Nick embraced him, or Matt embraced him, but Nick would not and refused to shake his hand. Omega cut a promo saying the Golden Lovers are back and here to stay. Also love that match. It was absolutely incredible. Um just a lo- great story in the fact that Nick was pissed off. Still, his back's messed up. There was a, there was a table spot that was ridiculous. All the the sequence um, moves that they did for the Young Bucks and the Golden Lovers were absolutely incredible. This was a banger of a tag match. I wish I could see these guys go against um, the two New Day members and the friggin' Usos in the four-way tag ladder match. It would be incredible, Chris think about everyone and let me know how you like these matches
1: uh i really i like the uh united states championship match it wasn't my favorite match of the night it was fun um i like the switchblade character i think i think Jay white's doing a great job and i look forward to seeing how that goes and hangman's been one of my faves for a while so i I thought they did a really good job Uh, i don't want to spend too much time on it because to me the golden lovers that they're The fact that they reunited from DDT and had this match against the Young Bucks, it was one hell of a banger, and they've been teasing it for so long. It was just such a good payoff. Um, There were so many great segments. There was this awesome spot with uh, Nick Jackson and Matt Jackson where they uh, basically gave each other a high five and went into like a a rope run springboard, which was a lot of fun. Um, The table spots, everything about this match was a lot. I think they just told a really, really good wrestling story. Um, within the match itself there's certain things i didn't like about the match for the most part i thought it was the probably the best match of the night um and it was just so much damn fun to watch and seeing omega and abushi again together as a tag was was awesome uh all that being said everyone uh y'all have a great week make sure to follow uh at geek vibes nation on twitter and uh, at chris r Patton on twitter Yeah, guys.
0: Like I said, definitely check out that match if you haven't got a chance to. It was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of cool spots, and we don't know what the bull clubs are at, man. They could be over. They could be over. Anyways, great show, guys. Thank you as always for listening, and uh, come back every week, every Wednesday, seven o'clock EST. We're gonna have a great show for you guys uh, next week, last week right before WrestleMania. So, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>
1: Have a good one.